0: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Freeftakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito
2: This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Sharon and Eric Lopez. Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon and Eric Lopez with you here on this uh, warm, warm late February Thursday. We're recording this on Thursday, February 24th. The spring sports equinox, Eric Lopez is in full swing. We're all freaking exhausted. Uh, especially after that late night game against Cincinnati men's basketball, finishing up the home season on senior day with a W and a big W. It was, we're going to talk about that. I'm, I'm tired, man. Like it's, Gosh, you know, I'm shocked nine, you have
0: a voice the way all those dunks start. with all those dunks. And you're just oh, I was yelling, <laughs> listening to you on the TV hey, yelling. I mean, you were listen, yelling I, louder I, than I, on the I'm TV not,
2: here. Listen, I never complain about that. It's inter- It was an entertaining game last night. It was a lot of fun. I my but uh, my job is great. I, I, I'm not I'm not gonna lie. I will say the nine o'clock tip offs, a little weird. Uh I, I wish ESPN would be a little bit more mindful of that in the eastern time zone. Wait a minute.
0: You were telling me like weeks ago, you love the nine o'clock tip.
2: No, I like the nine o'clock tip because I can cook dinner for the kids and everything. But like when you got a game like that's exciting, like my adrenaline is pumping. I didn't get to sleep until like two in the morning. Yeah, yeah, and I got to be up at six because I got the kids ready. So I'm kind of well. I'm, I'm I got bad on coffee.
0: I got bad news for you. We're in the equinox time right now, where there's no sleep. So you forget it. We're not sleeping for a few weeks. Well, at
2: least nobody's on the West Coast. Yeah. All right, we got <laughs> lots to talk about. We got both basketball teams to talk about. We've got uh, the women's basketball team ranked for the first time ever. <laughs> ever. It's about time, coaches. Uh. AP, I don't know what you're thinking, so we'll talk Shout about Shout out that.
0: to that Kentucky media guy that's the only one that's voted for UCF in the AP poll. Yes. Props to him.
2: I mean. Um, the, uh, we, uh, Kyle Nash is here to join us to talk about that. Um, Also, Stat Boy Jury, Andrew Glukov is here. Uh, uh Bryson Turner is going to join us in a little bit to talk more about the women, but let's start with the men's game last night against the Bearcats of Cincinnati. 75-61. I'm not used to seeing UCF beat Cincinnati by double digits on in any venue historically, but uh, you know Cincinnati's program is in, a, is in a state of transition right now. The Knights get their 17th win of the season, clinch at least a 500 record in conference in the regular season at nine and seven in the American. Um, led by 13 at the half, kind of stiff armed Cincinnati the rest of the way. Uh, and it was a balanced load. like you always like to talk about Eric Lopez balanced scoring, good defense uh we talked about the scoring situation what do we have all right 13 from cj walker 12 from isaiah adams off the bench who played a great game best game i've seen him play in in a while four or five from the field for him uh, for, uh darius perry had 11 uh and so did imbake jong on uh, five of seven he also had six rebounds darius johnson had 8.7 rebounds five assists um, and, uh, UCF shot 47% held Cincy to 36. And, uh, that's how you get a, a victory on senior night. And you send your six seniors off with a dub. So let's bring in Kyle Nash to talk about it. Kyle, you were there last night along with me. Um,
1: I was, you know, I, I'm yeah, not I, I was, about-
2: yeah, well, I, you know, I don't know about you, but with the way that game kind of started out, like Cincinnati, like you see, you watch Cincinnati play like their style of play they are the most physically intimidating team in the conference, I think, because all of their dudes are just, they're compact. They're, they hit the weight room like crazy and they are hyper aggressive. And in, 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 especially on D and in the early going, I was like, man, this is good. This might be rough, but they missed a lot of shots. And UCF was able to do two things. I thought, number one, get out on and transition and, um, and they did so really well to that, uh, to that point A fast break points, uh, was in favor of UCF 92, but also Cincinnati's interior defense was non-existent and UCF did a very good job in the penetration game, get, uh, making the extra pass down low UCF had 40 points in the paint last night. Um, uh, 40 of their 75 what was the what were the things that you were seeing from where you were stationed that were the big keys to the game last night
1: yeah you I mean you mentioned their aggression Jeff and, and I think that kind of worked against them a little bit I, I don't know if you noticed but they came out they were all over the perimeter I, I kind of felt like at yeah. times that they had four guys spread up at the top of the perimeter you could tell the mission as it should be I I would scout it this way I don't know that I'd come out with this same defense necessarily and completely forget about C.J. Walker and Cheeky jean and even Jameel Reynolds, much to their chagrin. But it was obvious they were trying to stop um, Darren Green and Darius Perry. They just completely underrated what's going on down low. And, and listen, here's the stat that'll tell you about the dominance, okay? Six dunks in the first half alone, and it wasn't necessarily all uh, Cheeky Mbake-Jean doing it. Heck, C.J. Walker didn't even have a dunk till the second half. Ty Freeman got in there. Um, two by Jameel Reynolds. Uh, there was the. Um, there was just nine
2: rough- ducks total for the game.
1: Yeah, nine, uh, including uh, the aforementioned and, and and resurrected Isaiah Adams, who has not had a performance like this since December of the previous year. So, yeah, th- th- that I think a lot of that was the key to setting things up. And and once. You know, as as much as people give uh, Darius Perry a hard time for not passing enough and all that stuff, and early on he did have the first six points and took five of the first seven shots, but I think him penetrating and collapsing that perimeter situation, uh, passing it to Zhang for the first dunk, kind of started the breakdown because they're like, okay, we're forgetting a few things, and as they kind of closed it back up, here comes Darren Green slinging it from the cheap seats and from that point on is, is the spark that, you know, you got the first run of the game for UCF. They did not look back thereafter. By the way, give the defense a little credit at halftime forcing, uh um uh, I believe it was nine um, or 11 turnovers. I forget the number two, th- three that they gave up in the first half.
2: Darius Johnson, I thought really was re- great at breaking down the D. And I think the, the key was uh another key for him in particular was he's such a good, but we saw like, exactly how good of a ball handler he was because Cincinnati loves to get up in your mug, right? Mm-hmm. They cause deflections. They get into, you know, they'll, they'll force jump balls. They'll do all kinds of stuff. And I think a couple of the other guys kind of had some trouble with, with Cincinnati getting inside them defensively, except for Darius. Cause when Darius had the ball, he's such a, he's such a physical point guard that you can't, you can't get the ball from him, Right. Yeah. Um, I think, I thought that was, he, he We really showed, he really showed what a key he was in that, in that game in particular.
1: Yeah. I mean, it it may be senior night, but the highest scorers weren't all necessarily seniors. Right. And, and, and Darius Johnson um, did have eight. Um, I think he, him slashing to the basket was a deal. Um, Of course he more kind of uh, imposed his will into the basket. Darius Perry slashing when he did, I know that the two of them don't have the best shot percentage for field goals from the field on the night, but I think that was the key to collapsing everything because the times when they didn't shoot and they were uh, attacking the basket, you got 21 assists here. That that's from moving the ball around and finding that open guy. Now, granted, sometimes you can beat Jameel Reynolds and get a rebound and just physically impose your will and just slam that beast home with authority, huh? but that's a complete different thing.
2: You, I want to get you in here on this. Um, the so let's let's look at the standings right now. All right, so UCF is nine and seven in the conference with two games to go, um, both of them on the road at Tulane, at Tulsa. Uh, uh, Right now, the Knights are sixth in the conference. If you get to fifth, you get that first round bye. All right, Tulane right now is nine and six. They have three games left at Temple on the 27th uh not just good news for
0: UCF one of those teams are going to lose which is good because you know we right. need both of them that's good well,
2: remember UCF leapfrogged Temple last night uh no excuse me they didn't leapfrog Temple Temple's in not fourth yet. right now I'm yeah, sorry not yet uh they, Temple has five losses uh this March the third game for UCF becomes huge in New Orleans because you can hand Tulane that loss and you would get the tiebreaker over them that seventh loss so correct With Tulsa coming up and the Tulsa route, I know everyone's like, Oh God, Tulsa. Tulsa is three and 12 on the season in the conference. So that if if that's, if that's the goal right now, fifth place, now's the, now's the time. Right. Right.
0: And they could finish higher. And by the way, this team was picked to finish fifth before the year. So if they finish in the top five, they did exactly what people expected. Contrary to some in the audience. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all right. Okay, By the way, we go. let me give you this stat for all you "quote unquote" basketball junkies out there that think that we're like the Kansas of the South.
2: Get your popcorn the, ready. This
0: That's was it. our, you know, this was our 17th win this season. You know, in 37 seasons of Division One basketball, you know how many times UCF has had 17 wins at or more?
2: You said in 37 seasons. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna, I want. All right, I want each of us. I want to get Drew and Bryson in here to guess. There we I'm go. gonna guess. I'm going to guess 10. Like I, I
3: was
4: going to go right with now. 11, but that, that was always my guess.
2: Closest without going
4: over wins. <laughs> all, right, I, all right. I'm going to, considering the the women's basketball history into this as well, I'm going to go a little lower. I'm going to say six. Kyle?
1: So of 37 seasons, we're asking how many what? How many, how many times have UCF or, won
0: 17 or more games? Yeah.
1: Um, I'm going to say eight because i'm more pessimistic and newer to covering this team right?
0: <laughs> drew wins the he's the closest the answer is this is their 14th time in 40. 37 seasons they've actually won 17 games or more they've had more losing seasons than 17 wins or more in the division one era does that so mean tells, the
3: next contestant on the price is right i,
0: I think it is mm-hmm. you're gonna get to go hang out with <laughs> Carrie there so my <laughs> point i only you're bring welcome out- to the stage you get to play plinko
1: Listen, you're hanging out with Bob Barker, not that waste of glasses frames that image that does his best to fail on that show. Don't get shut him. up. He's
3: from my hometown.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that means everything. <laughs> OK, Browner. Moving on. So
2: pull it back.
1: And hey, hey,
4: hey, you've been making wrong decisions your entire life. Pull, pull it back. That. Pull, yeah, pull yeah, it wait. back. Price is right reference.
0: So here's the point. This team, first of all, because there's been a lot of chatter about what, what is the what the season is. First of all, the season's not over yet. Does anybody critique a movie 30 minutes in? Like, all right, that's a, this movie's a classic. No, this movie stinks. No, you wait till the end of the movie. That's what Brian Murphy taught me. Oh. So, Well,
2: now they do on Twitter. But anyway, go so, ahead.
0: My point is, we don't know how the sweet season ended. And that was their most complete basketball game of the season, at least in conference play. Coach and Kyle, and, and yeah. you brought it up. Camille Reynolds and Isaiah Adams both played great. Tyus Freeman has played well since Mayhem is inju- uh, got injured. And as Johnny Dawkins said, as we'll play the clip here, Johnny Dawkins said in the postgame, when someone's out,
5: other guys step up. And that's what we're seeing right now. It's just good to see, you know, more guys, you know, stepping up right now. I think they, they realize with his absence that we need guys to step up. And that does wonders for some guys at times. You know, I think, you know, guys like Ty, guys like Isaiah, uh, just stepping up, realizing that, hey, there's a need for me to get out there and and, and make these contributions for us to be successful. And, uh, and they, they've done that, and that's what I'm most proud of.
2: All right, and Eric, I'll allow you to bring it back. Three, two, one, go.
0: That was Johnny Dawkins in the postgame. And, boys, I'm telling you, uh, people talk about depth. I know, Kyle, you talked about it with depth with, with Johnny about that. But sometimes depth could be your enemy in basketball, too, because guys don't get the clear opportunities. Now you have an injury, guys get opportunities again. Freeman is getting opportunities. Isaiah Adams had his best game. I think Isaiah Adams, this could be a turning point for him. If he could kind of take this uh, positive, this positive performance moving forward, I think UCF can make a run here. And to Jeff's point, if they can get to the top five seed and get that buy, that first round buy, this tournament could be wacky because Houston's vulnerable. It's a wide open tournament. This team could start peaking here. So let's not, you know, let's see what happens here. But I was really encouraged with Isaiah Adams and Jameel Reynolds' performance.
1: I'll I'm say this. One. Houston,
4: Houston's our friend, our friend a little bit because they face both Temple and Memphis before their season is over. So hand them losses and that helps us.
1: Uh, I'm going to take what you said Eric and build on that though I think there's a little extra element here that I think is a lot more necessary and, and, and as often as I defend Johnny Dawkins especially in a night where there's so much dunking even past nine o'clock I'm thinking of breakfast and coffee which I mean hey if we're going to talk about de- depth dunking is also appropriate to not roll your eyes Jeff I am the dad joke man here if you haven't learned yet I cannot help you. He is and the resident was- old man shut up drew that's you too anyways so um at any rate the th- piece i think you're missing is it's not so much about isaiah adams getting an opportunity oh because i mean it's the reason he's getting it with Brand- brandon mayhan hurt dawkins is less inclined and on having to concentrate on helping him find a spark and i felt like i saw a lot of that throughout the year um, involving certain roster choices and movements. I was talking to Drew in a place that I can't necessarily cite because I'm not putting my texts up. Um, but uh, I was talking to <laughs> Drew about the fact that Mahan getting into the starting lineup may not be the best move. And he noticed that when he was put on the bench, Mayhan started to do better and because there, there was less concentration on trying to heat him up. Well, now with him off, uh, out of the roster, not only do I see that being completely eliminated, to your point, Adams is getting the opportunity to shine. And come tournament time, I truly hope that Dawkins keeps him on the bench if Adams remains hot.
0: Well, let me let me add to this. Let me add to this, Sue. This, the, it, people talk coaching all you want. When you're an underclassman, if you're a freshman, sophomore, you're always going to defer to a senior. Brandon Mayhem's a senior. Parents yeah. is a senior. got Younger guys are always going to defer. And sometimes... They, their performance, the way they play, is deferring too much. And I think now that you have a senior out of the picture, hey, I don't have to defer as much. Now I can be more confident. Maybe I could be more aggressive. I don't think that's an accident. That's, um, that's how guys step up, and not just in basketball. You guys have played. It happens in every form of sport. You always defer to you know to your upperclassmen in, in a lot on these cases. And I think... That's something that we kind of gets lost in translation here. Sometimes with the, when you have all these different personalities that you do on a particular sports team, it's
3: a mental thing. You know, a lot of this is, is a mental thing. And, you know, we talked about Brandon Mahan, him going to the bench, kind of turning him more into a Jordan Clarkson, like player where you don't have the pressure that comes with being a starter. There are certain mental expectations And we've seen Isaiah Adams struggle during the year to the point where Johnny Dawkins scratched his head short of saying, I don't know what's wrong because it's all in his head. I mean, we've seen the talent. So it's a combination of opportunity and and the right placement because you have to get out of your own head. And if you don't, you're going to, you can have all the talent in the world, but you're not going to make any shots. You're not going to accomplish anything. You're going to make mistakes. It's, It's a mental game. And Adams is, maybe this was a one-time thing. Maybe he's starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel, uh, getting over that sophomore slump, but combination of opportunity and focus. And we'll see how he does in the next
2: game. All right, so as we wrap up now, let's look at the men's basketball side. Obviously, UCF with two games left. We talked about it. They have more than a week off. They have eight days until the next game, which is at Tulane. Um, UCF beat Tulane by two last time they played and now we're going to scoreboard watch okay temple is two spots ahead of ucf and fourth in the conference um temple right now they have four games to go they have uh let tonight have, actually at, at memphis tonight Yep, at memphis tonight home for tulane at houston home for south florida those are, there's at least two easily losable games in there for them for Tulane. I mentioned this before they are at temple. Okay. So that's, that's a huge game. One of those teams is going to lose home for UCF. It's, that's going to be a huge one next Thursday. And then at SMU who's second place in the conference, obviously UCF at finishing up at on the road at Tulane's the big one. And then at Tulsa, God knows what's going to happen at Tulsa. As bad as Tulsa is, it's their senior day. You're going to get their best shot. You better come, come prepared for that. Uh, I'm going to, no elaboration on this. I'm going to go around the corner. Does UCF finished in finish in fifth or higher based on what you're seeing? Eric, I'll start with you. I'll say they finish fifth. Kyle.
1: I say they do, yeah. Drew? I agree as well.
2: Bryson? At least fifth. All right. I got him at fifth too. Damn, that we just we together. may have just jinxed him. We may have right. just our jinxed fault. Our fault, guys. Just All right.
4: Um I hope we don't. I don't want to have I don't want to have March. some cardiac nights going into this late season push. March March the
2: third, Fogelman Arena in Devlin Fieldhouse, uh in uh in New Orleans. March uh, that's Thursday. That's ESPN plus eight PM. Uh last night's game was on ESPN U too, Eric Lopez. Do we get uh who do we have doing the game? I didn't see. It was remote, I know.
0: It was Drew Carter and Sean Harrington uh,
2: doing the game. Gotcha. Drew oh Carter uh and Sean Harrington. Drew, you, you were getting a lot point. of airtime,
0: Jeffrey. You were getting a lot of airtime.
2: I, I, well, I don't know about that. Had a
0: suit on too. A suit.
2: Uh, they I, were showing listen,
1: you. Up. I, I. I
2: listen, I, I have my dress code. You know, <laughs> I want I, I dress. Yeah, for the you job know I where the cameras are. That's what. That's it. that's. It's it. not my fault that that's where the PA guy sits. Okay, it's not my <laughs> fault. But, and you know what? I don't mind it one bit. because during last year, I was up in the corner, man, because of. Because of COVID, like, it's nice being right there. I know exactly what's going on all the time. Uh, oh, real quick. Uh, Drew, you brought up a good point, which we have to forget about. All right. Fifth seed from the conference tournament aside, NIT discussion. All right. Uh, according to DRatings.com, Drew, you brought this up to us, so credit to you. Uh, they have an NIT bracket prediction and they are putting UCF right now as a six seed uh in the uh, in the uh, 32 team NIT who are the other six seeds Ohio Utah State St. John's they would play either according to these these predictions the three a three seed which would be either Colorado Oklahoma Florida or Oregon that would be interesting wouldn't it Drew
3: Oh, absolutely. And if what I like about this site is not only does it give you the records, it gives you the strength of schedule and then a kind of a point system where it's how they, they rate. And actually, one of UCF's saving graces is the fact that they're in the top 100 in strength of schedule, which may not seem like much. But when you have over 300 teams in, in Division one, it, it is quite a bit. Yeah. But you look at, you know, the four teams that are the three seeds, you look at the records and you're just kind of like, eh. But, you know, Oklahoma's 14 and 14, but they've got the 10th hardest schedule in the country. Yeah. So, you know, not only in the short term is this something to, to pay attention to, but when UCF joins the Big 12, this is also going to be something that's going to be paid attention to. That strength of schedule is a major bum. West Virginia is a four seed from the Big 12. They, they got they got the sixth hardest schedule in the country, and they're also 14 and 14. So, you know, you got to look at it in, in both aspects. UCF has room to move up. You know, they, you know, there's still plenty of time left, but the season's not over.
0: You
2: know, they're, but they're, Memphis they're has a one seed, by the way, in the NIT. I think is that those are the only two American teams in the in this NIT, right? In this NIT bracketology, I think that's right. Uh,
3: as of this moment, yeah, you know, Memphis is just kind of on the outside looking in on, on the NCAA tournament. Uh, they'll, they'll fall to the NIT if they don't quite make it. They need a little bit of a bump, but Houston, SMU, they're 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 easy shoe-ins to the to the big dance at this juncture i would
0: call it a shoe-in i mean there's work to be done there i mean i would call it a sure i will say this for those that want to poo-poo the nit uh if ucf gets to play florida in the first round of the nit you know what that is it's the gasparilla bowl all over again all
4: right and we all enjoy that hey that it's pretty- either that or cj walker faces his former university that would be a pretty cool story no i want That'd florida man let's bring on bring I, on I florida. Want florida
2: too I, heard, I, I appreciate yeah. it. I want Florida.
4: Game, I heard Oklahoma.
1: I want Florida too, but I heard Oklahoma, they only lost to Oklahoma by three gentlemen. I'd like that rematch as a good uh, number two option. Did the whole point the but the
3: game would be in Norman. Just keep that in mind. All of these yes, would sure. be would be roadies. Sure, of yeah. course. as as the lower C, which definitely changes the, the the you know the atmosphere yeah. and dimensions of the game. But there's still a lot of moving parts left, you know. yeah, uh, sure. you know, things change quickly, you know it can happen on a dime. So, you know, a bad loss, a really good win, you know, attorney run, a conference attorney run, anything can happen. But as of right now, this season's not over and UCF's still being talked about for a respectable postseason tournament. See, speaking speaking so season,
2: bad. The, speaking of the season not being over, let's flip over to women's basketball because we are on the verge of history. Saturday, UCF plays Cincinnati uh, at home, 2 p.m. The Knights are one win away from clinching their first regular se- conference regular season championship of any kind in 17 years since 2005, when Gail Striegler and her team won their second uh, A Sun conference regular season title in three years. Um, I covered that team that was a long time ago, uh, but this is a, this is a different ball game. UCF is 20 and three, 12 and one in the conference had uh, and and we had a uh, so, uh, some coach Abe appreciation moments on Twitter earlier this week, uh, Eric Lopez, in the NCAA history of UCF women's basketball since they joined the NCAA from the AIAW, mm-hmm. prior to uh, prior to Coach Abe coming to UCF, the Knights had five 20 win seasons in women's basketball five since 1982 coach Abe the coach Abe era by itself has five 20 win seasons and it would be six were it not for COVID shortening the um shortening the basketball season uh in 20 uh in 2020 2021 uh where they finished 16 and 5 so here we are on the precipice of history uh this is uh Th- th- this, is, this is a big moment for the program on Saturday.
0: It's historic. It'll be the first time ever in the modern era that somebody will see live in person UCF women's basketball ranked in the poll. And I want to congratulate Kyle Nash because I don't think it's an accident. Kyle Nash walks in to the banneret, covers women's basketball, and UCF gets ranked. UCF has never been ranked. It's pre-Kyle Nash. Now they're ranked. So congr- thank you, Kyle, I'd on behalf of UCF women's Kyle. basketball. It's all it's Kyle. All Kyle. Uh, but... It also is a body of work, and this has been building for a while. In fact, Coach Abe was available for media availability this week, and I asked her what was her reaction to the top twenty-five. And here's what she had to say:
3: I thought it was, I thought it was uh, definitely a blessing for sure. Um, you know, and and just excited for, uh, especially the upperclassmen that have been here a long time. You know what I mean? They've worked really hard to get to the that to that position in that point. You know, there's probably days they're like, "What are we doing?" You know. Um, It just it just um, reveals to them that all their hard work they've put in and all the focus they've put in and all, you know, the the games that we've won before this year. I think it all adds up. I don't think it's just one year that gets you to that point. I think it's all the years. And so, you know, I think that they've they finally are like, oh, wow, to be a really good team, to be a winning team. It takes a lot of work. It's just not instant gratification. So I think that really kind of set a tone for especially those
0: players that have been here for the whole time that was coach Abe and, and I and I wrote this for banneret and so people took it the wrong way because you know everybody has to take things the wrong way I called her the Torchy Clark of women's basketball and the reason I said that is because all she's done you mentioned the stats right there 20 wins that was not a given in women's basketball never nobody thought this was possible they can win this consistently but that's what she's brought here and now you're ranked for the first time in ever in the d1 era you're a win away basically from wrapping up a regular season title for the first time in 17 years and they're gonna be you know charlie cream and the bracketologies got him as a seventh seed that's a toss-up game they could win the first round game they've never won an NCAA tournament game so you've seen a lot of boxes check here but very fitting that it's this group, the senior group, Jeff, that has been knocking on the doors, been looking for that respect. And here they're about to break through the door here in a lot of
2: categories. Yeah, Charlie's, uh, Bracketology has them moving up to a seven seed, facing possibly Princeton in the first round in Ann Arbor, Michigan <laughs> Fairfield on the other side. Funny how Michigan keeps Which popping is funny. up there. Um,
0: By the way, the I, funny I, thing about the Princeton, they were supposed to play Princeton, but that got canceled. So that's, that's ironic.
2: True that those two teams would play there. That's true. Now uh, let's talk about the defense here because uh, I mean, they had a historic defense last year, uh, nearly being one of, I think just uh, I think 17 or 18 teams in the history of division one to average giving up under uh, 50 points a game for an entire season. The last three games against South Florida, Wichita state and temple UCF has given up, and this is when the span of seven days, three games in seven days, they gave up 33, 35, and 31 points. Yep. I, 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 uh, uh, Kyle, I want to bring you in on this because this is, I mean, I keep using the word historic and it almost doesn't feel significant enough.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's not just historic. I mean, ground is being broken here. This year is going to be iconic. That's the, that's the word you're looking for for the women's basketball program. I mean, not just, Coach Abe and all her accomplishments and all that. Which I mean, I got to tell you, was a guy who likes '90s basketball. I love her coaching style, by the way. Um, but. Other things have taken place this season two that we're just writing off, right? Masudi Kamba hit a thousand points, right? Alicia Lewis had a ten steal game, something you hadn't seen in UCF history in thirty some odd years. Okay, like that's that that's the kind of stuff you have happening with this defense and with this team and their performance. And and really, you would see I think you would see a lot more individual achievement if this team wasn't such a collective. Okay, this is a hive mind of basketball when you play them. That's the reason why. Hey, we start out playing man. Oh, we figured out that doesn't work so hot because Diamond Battles and Tay Sanders chuck it from the cheek seats along with Lisha Lewis when she does shoot and burn us. Okay, we're gonna go to a zone. Oh heck, they're crushing us in the post because they have Massey Kama, Brittany Smith, and Destiny Thomas. Okay, well, we'll force them to shoot outside. Wait, they're hitting that too. Damn it! You know, like there's no real thing you can do to truly stop this team offensively. You just got to find a way to outshoot them and chuck it from distance. But their perimeter defense has been pretty good to stop that. You noticed how in the, uh, the uh, when uh, USF beat them in the finals of the conference tournament last year that that was the key to just fire at them from distance and um, outscore them that way. Well, with the perimeter defense that they brought out, they've swept USF. So, I'm if if and when the ladies lose, I'm going to be curious to see how it happens. Well,
2: right now they've averaged given up. They're giving up 48.5 points per game. Uh, if they maintain that pace, only six, seven, eight teams in Division One history have given up that few points per game in the course of a season and uh four times it was the Yukon Huskies. Yeah. So that tells you exactly where we're at, by the way. um That's still not good enough for first in the country, believe it or not <laughs> right yeah. now. Can we pour something out for the, for coach Abe's previous stop in her coaching career, the Albany great Danes, uh, who are right now averaging 48.4 given up on the season and strangely have lost nine of those games. So uh UCF a 20 and three Princeton. Tw- interesting. Look at that Princeton who Eric Charlie cream has UCF facing in that potential first round game. Uh Princeton is third 50.2 given up. Um Points the will be picks. a premium
0: if they play there, you know? Yeah. Get out, get uh, out
2: the ice picks for that game. Huh? K-
0: K- yeah. But I mean, Kyle, I think, I, I- a- Kyle, let me talk to here. let me talk to Kyle here for a second here because Abe told you something that blew your mind away about why they're successful defensively, didn't she? Yeah,
1: yeah, she she actually she said something about the games because of the pace um and of their scheduling and, and how um a lot of it has been close together because of you know issues in scheduling. We've had conversations with coach, coach Aid quite a bit this season about the difficulty in scheduling. She said something in that availability that Eric mentioned. That the games are part of the conditioning process, which I found interesting. And I asked her elaborate on that kind of with her style of coaching and her, her mantra is to get everybody involved. So you kind of, you kind of combine that with the, the grueling and defensive pace that she demands of her, of her players in order to execute defense that you see that's so smothering. So really um, in practice, she doesn't have to, 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 to um, push them quite as hard, and this is why you see that they're relatively, well, I shouldn't say relatively, they've been very healthy this year, knock, 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 um, but now that the games are, are uh, at the pace that they're at, they're actually part of the conditioning process because they're close enough together. I thought that was very interesting.
2: Yeah. So I've heard that before from other coaches, too. Um, Meg Collado, or Meg Fitzgerald, I should say, uh, brought up a good point that, uh, you know, when she was coaching UCF volleyball back in um, 2003, like they, that team that they, they were honored in the, they're in the ring of honor. That team is in the ring of honor. Wow. The same thing happened with them where they, you know, they got to a point where they were so locked in that she would come to practice and just put up on the marker board, you know, Hey, here's what we got to work on. If we just work on that, we're done for the day. And then they would work on it, get it done, have it ready. And then they would go out and win. And sometimes Jenny Frank, who Eric, you and I know, would, uh, you know. Call of Famer
0: Jenny Frank. Hall of Famer.
2: They they would get in there. They would get in their work. And then she would go and like actually run laps in the gym late in the season because she felt like she didn't get enough work in. And Meg would have to go out there and be like, what are you doing you know, we need to save your stamina for the for the stretch run here. And uh I think that's a, really interesting, a, a very interesting point that Coach Abe brought up there. And I'm glad you brought, brought that up, Kyle, because that's that's the mark of a team that mentally is locked in.
1: Oh, yeah, and- absolutely. And, and Abe's actually giving credit to the captains. She feels like they're the keys to how they're handling this success so well. Like the one time they had a mess misstep, I don't think it was so much because they, you know, drank the Kool-Aid and bought in. And of course I'm referring to that uh, Cincinnati loss, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Coach Avis cited it as, Hey, we had a six day break. It was, that was the one kind of long inactivity that they had really had. Certainly the longest um, of the season. And, and since then it's been maybe two or three days off pretty consistently. So I think, I think that's uh, been leveraged very well.
2: All right. So their remaining schedule right now, two games at home, Saturday against Cincinnati, if they execute revenge uh, at, uh, on ESPN Plus uh, at 2 p.m. on Saturday, they raise the trophy for the regular season championship. Uh, Tulsa also on Wednesday at 6 p.m. Um, That's home game. That's senior night. That's going to be an emotional night because there's, you know, we had six seniors for the men's game. We got how many seniors are we going to have here in the women's game, Eric? We're going to have quite a few.
0: Quite a few. there. are uh no come out. By the way, that's Cincinnati I kind of don't
2: know because there's, you know, some players may take their COVID year, some may not. Right. Um, right. Yeah. I don't, know, I don't. It's
0: too too cool, don't complicated know. to figure out. But here's what I do know: that Cincinnati game is going to be historic. A lot of people are going to be there. Kyle's going to be there. That's a big deal normally, but even a bigger deal than Kyle being there is that Johnny Dawkins is going to be there. That's right. In fact, they asked they asked Coach Dawkins about it. And here's what Coach Dawkins had to say about women's basketball being ranked in the top 25.
5: Oh gosh, I'm, I'm so proud of them. You know, I'm looking forward to coming to their game this, this weekend. I think they play Saturday at 2 o'clock. And they play Cincinnati, I believe. I'm excited to get, get out to see them play. Uh, you know, Coach Abe has done an amazing job with their program. And her girls are terrific. Uh, You know, both programs get along, you know, really, really well. So I'm really excited for their success. You know, just like they've been excited, you know, for hours. And uh, just I'll be rooting for them on Saturday. You like their emphasis on defense? Oh, always. You know I love their emphasis on defense. (laughs) We both, you know, cut from the same cloth there. You know, Coach Abe, she's amazing. Her family's amazing. And I'm just really happy for the success that the program and that their staff is having. I just there's
0: Coach Doc. I just love the relationship between the two coaches. I think they're fascinating. Uh, I think they're phenomenal people. At the same time, and I think have represented the university very well. Uh, By the way, if you go to our YouTube channel, you can watch the entire media availability of Coach Abe and Diamond Battles. Me and Kyle covered that. And of course, the post game from men's basketball. But man, I just that's I always like that when the teams sport support each other, and it's not just basketball. Basketball. We've talked to Todd Dageny supporting other sports, and and you know Greg Lovelady supports. I mean, all these coaches support each other. It's cool to watch.
2: Yeah, I mean it's it's been fun for you know to to see both of these teams. You know, we, we saw the women's team at the game at the uh, last night. Um, you know, there there was a big push to try and make sure that the students knew to show up on Saturday at 2 p.m. Hopefully they take that to heart because, you know, this team deserves to be celebrated. Uh, it's, a yeah. it's a historic home game.
0: It's a home game. but It's a win and a American Conference regular season title will be uh, awarded. To a women's basketball team for the first time in seventeen years, and I don't even remember you. Well, you were the one that covered it. Did they even celebrate it at home? No, or was that a road? Do I,
2: I don't. I don't even remember. They, they did I know one thing. They didn't hoist the trophy. They didn't. The wow. Atlantic Sun didn't pass out a trophy to the regular season. Game.
0: Boo, you a sun. That's no wonder we left them clowns.
2: Well, I mean, you can only you can only do so much with the budget that you have. You know, I mean, the a sun wasn't you know clearly wasn't the American. I mean, we were, we were, okay. People talk about like, Oh, why are we on ESPN plus? Like we were lucky. Any game got televised at all <laughs> in 20. in I think we had one game on TV in 2005 and it was on sunshine network. And it was UCF and Florida, like Florida actually came to UCF and Carolyn Peck was the head coach of the Gators at the time. Um, that was, uh, that was it. <laughs> That was it. Like, if you wanted to catch live UCF women's basketball, you had to listen to me and Matt Dunaway and Matt Itell and some wow. of and some of us other guys who were actually broadcasting, you know, uh, on audio um, on Shoutcast. Shout out to Shoutcast and Winamp.
1: <laughs> wow, you, you did forget to say one thing before that whole thing, Jeff. Back in my day,
2: <laughs> I'm just
4: saying we've come a long way since then. It's been a long 17 years. Hey, my youngest brother was actually born in 2005. He's in oh, high school oh, now. God. Rubbing oh, it in—that's
0: no. how oh, long I'm that is. In. All
4: right, let's all right. move
0: on before we right. get more bummed out here.
2: Yeah we, gotta, yeah, we got it. Yeah, we got it. Yeah, you know, we're we're getting old now. It's it's,
4: it's all right. Give Jeff a hug. Okay, I know. <laughs> I'll I will I will make a point to do that.
2: <laughs> we uh, all right. When we return, uh, Drew's gonna uh, Drew takes the stage here to uh, talk a little football news in particular, um, why he thinks that the college football playoff not expanding was actually good for UCF. I don't necessarily agree with that statement. I'm sure you don't, but Drew's going to make his case. So we get to hear that a little bit more. By the way, student of the game, Kyle Nash. You can follow him at the SOTG on Twitter. Kyle, thanks again, bro.
1: Hey, no, absolutely. Make sure you find my write-up on the game. Until next time, class dismissed.
2: Do you want to hang around for the next one?
1: To I talk mean, football? you're inviting me. You're inviting yes, Kyle inviting to you. yell at Andrew in the next segment. Oh,
2: geez, he's gonna. What do you think he's gonna I, I pure, pure, on the Out of out of pure morbid fascination. Yes, we'll allow will allow him to stick around. So, jury, you're you're really on the spot now. Bring it on. <laughs> yeah, stick around. We'll be right back. This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast.
6: Today's episode is brought to you by
4: Cars.com.
2: Welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, joined by Kyle Nash and Stat Boy Drew himself, Andrew Glukoff, uh, who, uh, as we talk about football, a couple bits of news that we wanted to talk about. Well, a bit of news and a bit of uh, rampant off-season speculation, which you know we are not above here at Black and Gold Bannerette. Um, let's first talk about the schedule being uh, released, Drew. Um, we got we knew the opponents, but now we got dates. Uh, opening night's going to be September 1st. That's a Thursday night against South Carolina State. Uh, an extra day off uh, before the uh, get-back game against Louisville, Friday, September 9th, at home. Uh, and then uh, Saturday, first Saturday game of the year is going to be in Boca Raton at FAU before the Knights have three straight home games. Home for Georgia Tech Saturday, September 24th. Home for SMU in the conference opener October 1st. And then a weekend off before they play Thursday. This is the space game, October 13th against Temple. Uh, but after that, it's uh, it's a heavily backloaded road schedule, which kind of worries me a little bit because they go uh, at East Carolina October 22nd. Home for Cincinnati, homecoming October 29th. That's a Saturday. Uh, then at memphis november 5th at Tulane, november 12th home for navy november 19th that's the only home game in the month of november uh before officially either friday or saturday thanksgiving weekend at south florida and what may very well be the final war on i4 game between ucf and usf as members of the american athletic conference aac championships scheduled for december 3rd all right drew Thoughts on the schedule. I'm a little worried about the heavy. I mean, you're talking four of the last six on the road. Uh, those road games aren't against overly tough opponents, we don't think, but they're still on the road.
3: Right. It's still on the road. It's, it's the opposite of last year. Last year was, was a home heavy schedule where uh, three of the last four games or four of the last uh, six, however you want to look at it, were, were home games. So, you know, it's basically the opposite of last year. And, you know, when you have a, lear- a team that was kind of learning the ropes, it actually worked out well. Uh, this team is, is – they're not rookies anymore. You know, you, you're at least going to have some experience in other, other places with, new, with, you know, head coaching staff. Be firmly in there. Yeah, you got a little bit of replacements. You got to replace um, Coach Wyatt at wide receiver. But, I mean, that's that's the nature of the beast but uh, I, that, as far as that part of schedule, I, I'm not overly worried about it because the, having the home early, you get some of the bugs out of the way, you build positive momentum, and then you take that on the road. It's, it's, the games themselves is actually what I'm more concerned about. Uh, in particular, the, the game against Southern Methodist on October 1st, uh, I think that's going to be UCF's hardest opponent all year is SMU. I know some people think it's going to be Cincinnati, uh, Cincinnati lost a lot, uh, but SMU has Including not. Desmond Ritter. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. They, they got lost Ritter. They they lost Sauce Gardner in the defensive backfield. I mean, they lost a lot. SMU, oh, to be fair, SMU lost their head coach. They lost their head coach, but they brought in a guy who is an offensive specialist with a team that already has offense uh, explosiveness. Uh, Rhett Lashley is an outstanding offensive coach. You know, even... Even working with the Miami Hurricanes the last couple of years, and yeah, their ha- record hasn't been good, but their scoring points per game have been in the top 25 each of those two years. It was the defense that, that failed miserably. This team can put up a lot of points, and they beat the tar out of UCF uh, in Dallas last year. Uh, it, it could happen again. This, this team's that good. I think they're going to be the, the w- one or two on the preseason poll from the media for, confer- uh, for, for the conference media days. That's the game I'm most concerned about. And, you know, you've you've got, you know, Georgia Tech before that. They're a team that's been struggling. You got FAU, which is, you know, a a team that's kind of always trying to find themselves. You've got the revenge game against Louisville uh, early in the month. I think it's good to get that out of the way, but it's going to be very important to get a win out of that because you're going to need that positive momentum the rest of the way. And, you know, there's something about putting Louisville and UCF on Friday nights that ESPN just seems to salivate over. Uh, everyone, you know, they've done it twice so far, and each one has been a ratings monster. I mean, Eric, you've been all over that before. Yeah,
0: uh, we called that in September. We said that, that they probably would move this game to Friday night.
3: It, it works. I mean, I'm not a fan of Friday night college football. I think Friday is for high school. But I, the ratings speak for themselves, and the games have been absolutely outstanding you know, uh, come down to the wire. People are engaged and excited. You know, people want to see exciting games and they tune in for it. And I, 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 I have no reason to believe that we're not going to see another really good game. You know, uh, Lee Cunningham is back for another round. Uh, there's going to be revenge in the minds of, of UCF players and fans. It's going to be a very hostile environment. And we know what it's like when the bounce house is shaking. Uh, we've lived it. And I think we're going to see that that's going to be probably the best atmosphere of the year. Is going to be that game, uh, but I, I think the, the I game, agree with that. The game I'm circled is definitely SMU. I mean, yeah, you know, Cincinnati is a big one. It's the homecoming game on October 29th. But you're going to really know how the season's going before you get to that. And I don't think this Cincinnati team is going to be nearly as good as they've been the last two years.
2: One little thing that uh, you guys couldn't see while uh, Drew was talking, because since we record this on Zoom, I was holding up my copy of Gus Malzahn's book, The Hurry Up, No Huddle Offense, An Offensive Philosophy. And uh, it waxes poetic for at least a brief period of time on when Gus was the head coach of Shiloh Christian School in Arkansas. Who was his quarterback?
1: It was Rhett R-Lashley.
3: Lashley. Yeah, Rhett Lashley, Rhett Lashley not yeah. only went to that oh. high school, but he was an assistant with him. Uh, yeah, and all basically everywhere he's a he's he's gut,
2: he's a very, very, as, as he, if you're looking for a Gus disciple, he is there's the Gus disciple. He, he is, yes, he is the he's, yeah, he's he St. Peter, basically.
3: He left in 2017 to be the offensive coordinator at UConn. And yeah, you, you go, Oh, it's UConn. The big difference was he went from not calling to plays to calling the plays, but, but hey. Look with the rest of the body, obviously he's done a good job. The rest of the yeah. body speaks for himself. Now he's head coach. And I have no reason to believe that we're not going to see a lot of points out of SMU this year. You know, uh, you know, they've got a great quarterback in Malachi who who could you know, could just heave that ball. I mean, come on. They, they carved up a, ta- a pretty talented UCF defense, you know, last year. I mean, it was not a close game.
2: Which brings us to, Obviously, whenever the, ske- the schedule pops out, there's going to be a whole bunch of speculation, you know, and, and naturally on social media, what does the discussion go to? Oh, what do you think UCF's record is going to be? And, of course, everyone on Twitter is like, 13-0, and 0, baby! <laughs> yeah! yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, we're not going to predict records right now, but let's, let's spin this forward to talking about the big piece that you wrote that went up today, Drew. Oh, that one. <laughs> uh, where you make the case that actually the college football playoff deciding not to expand. And that's that. And that's that is what happened earlier um, last week. The um, uh, board what was it? the president's actually voted to not expand the college football playoff beyond the current four team format, uh, at least until the contract comes up in 2020. In 20- 26, leaving obviously millions of dollars on the table. Um, the vote was eight to three. The three that voted against it, you needed one of them to vote for it, but the three that voted against it were lo and behold, the the alliance. Not the rebel alliance, but th- this is like the opposite of like if you could call like the the de- the the dark side the alliance, like this is what they are. So And that's the ACC Big Ten and Pac-12. All right. Um, Drew, I don't necessarily agree with you here, but I'm going to sit back and let you make your case right now. And folks, word of warning beforehand, you may throw something out your car window, (laughs) Listen,
1: That's a bit of
3: confidence. Go ahead, Drew. Uh, Just don't throw yourself out of the car window. We don't want to have to deal with the paperwork for that. Yeah. uh here, here's the truth you know this was this was brought upon last year and you know i think the cfp bought their own hype oh this can be done by 2023 or or 2024 it's gonna be so easy blah 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 all we just have to do is vote for it. well for starters it was never going to be as easy as they claimed it was going to be they had to rewrite an entire media contract the entire media deal that that's been structured and all this stuff had to go away and be replaced that's not that that's a lot of work right there so from step step one you were already running into hurdles that were going to cause problems as the the story has expanded and has grown we realized that not every player had the most uh, honest of intentions uh case in point greg sankey the commissioner of the sec was one of the four guys who, who drew up this this idea of the 12 team playoff. And very shortly after news comes out Oklahoma and Texas join the SEC. So you had Sankey kind of working with with um you know not in real honest goodwill here. Yeah, you know, there and it created a, a seed of distrust between the committee you're saying,
2: you're, you're saying bad faith. Is, is yes, you're
3: saying. bad faith a, it, well, I would call it questionable faith because you can't prove it was bad, but it was definitely questionable. Creates distrust. It, it, it creates, uh, it creates, you know, a cloud of, you know, is there an ulterior motive involved? And, and the answer really comes down to kind of, yeah, it is. One, there, this concept would have no caps. It basically, you know, you could technically have like six, S you know SEC teams in there if it played out that way. obviously it would but you could that's uh, a that's a money huh huh it's a money and power grab that's the first thing second thing that I think this is the bigger issue is because of that media deal since it's under contract with ESPN right now the new deal which would start over and this was a 12 year deal to begin with so you'd have a new 12 year deal probably put in place would be exclusively with ESPN thus giving, consolidating more power and control to the mothership, which is something that, uh, you know, anyone that that looks outside uh, of just their particular school should have an issue with. You know, we the BCS contracts were all much shorter. And if you notice, they changed. They moved around. It, it was, went from ABC, which obviously ESPN is part of that, but it was strictly ABC to Fox to ESPN. And ESPN's had their, their tentacles. Or that it
2: was CBS. Remember,
3: well, CBS didn't have the BCS. They had the stuff.
2: they, well, they had, stuff had the with, thing prior to that. They right? had yeah.
3: the coalition and 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 the alliance, I believe. But right. they didn't have the BCS. That was that was ABC when it started back in ninety eight. Uh, the the thing is, you know, this would would reset the clock, and yeah, there, there's more dollars involved, and, and there's a lot of dollars being left on the table. Look at it from UCS perspective. They're not losing anything. They're they're going from the American which uh, shares about $88 million with all the group of five, which is when you think about it, not that much. And a media deal that, pay, that averages uh, last year was somewhere in like the 5 to $6 million range. It'd be It's, a, it's a, a bottom loaded media deal. So you move over to the Big 12. Big 12 obviously has a much bigger media deal. UCF is going to have a half share, so that bumps up. UCF also being part of the big 12 is going to get a share of $57 million that goes exclusively to the big 12. So that's 57 divided by only 12 instead of what 88 divided by what 63, 64. So you're right. right. So they're going to be on
0: the positive end financially here in the
3: the positive end. So, so UCF not actually losing anything. Uh, The current, the current deal still has the big 12 locked into the, to the sugar bowl. There it's, there's an automatic uh, bid right there. And if there's a team from the big 12 that ends up in the semifinal, they take the next team guaranteed team in the sugar bowl or in another one of the, the New year six, if uh, the sugar bowl is the semifinals.
2: All right. I've got,
3: go I've ahead. got
2: two issues here and we'll all go around and I, I don't want to cross examining you here. All right. I've got two main issues. Number one, I don't buy the idea that like, oh, you're just getting eight more spots so that you can put eight more SEC teams in. I do not buy that one bit. Are we, if it went to 12 now, would we probably see three SEC teams? Oh, I think you get more. No, you get or more than three. maybe five. Maybe or, five. No, I don't yeah. think you'd do not think would 5 No. I don't I think you'd do not think And by the way, even if you do, that's still – okay, three more SEC teams – then you would in the fourteen model. That still leaves five more spots open for other schools, Correct. so that's more access for everybody. Yes, more access for the SEC, more access for everybody. The other point I disagree with is UCF is losing something out of this. If it if it expanded for twenty twenty two, or for or, or, you know right now, and I know the point about Cincinnati this past year. But oh, you mean when they expand, got into the
0: playoff? Like it I it said, ex- they can, and you could, and you said they never would have get in. You mean that Cincinnati?
2: But Liz, But here's here's the part where your argument falls apart, Eric Lopez, is when I start talking about percentage chances. All right, oh, which boy. here we go. you, believe, nonsense, you believe you, man, of course, believe in just black and white, yes or no? He's a and I talk about I believe in it.
0: dollars. I I believe in dollars and cents, which is what Drew made the point. UCF's going to make money out of this.
2: If UCF, if you, do you think if UCF goes undefeated, they're going to make the fourteen playoff this year? No,
0: not this year, but they will no. in two years when they win the Big Twelve. Yeah, absolutely, Guess they what? will Guess when what? they win if the Big Twelve.
3: If it expanded now, but it can't they expand would get now. Twenty twenty
0: two was
2: the earliest anyway. And now it's already it's
0: correct. Twenty four. Okay. Right? Yeah, this year it. was never in the in the cards. Okay. It it's right. never going right. to.
2: Fair point. Fair point. But I'll make this point then. There's no guarantee UCF is in the Big Twelve in twenty twenty three. Man, they're no, hey, they don't get in okay. any later than 2024 that's what wink, the contract wink. states oh, right but, but you're right There's you don't guarantee. know that and the longer we go without knowing what conference UCF is in without having it without having this deal finalized the more likely it is that 2024 becomes the date when UCF joins the big 12 and yeah, but therefore this is the you're big... missing out on a on a chance here in 2023, but, if yeah. we think UCF is going to be as good as they think they are, Jeff, that's, they've that's already missed. They already missed the window on 23, though. It's
3: already yeah. passed. Right. The the earliest they can now get was 24. Right. There was just there was too much to do, and it dragged too long. It was if it was approved in September, like it was originally thought to be, then they could pull it pulled it off. Well, of who do we
2: have to blame for that?
3: A lot of people.
0: <laughs> yeah. <It was> a <laughs> lot. Starting of with more. the uh, including the college football media that blew this up. I I have to blame the media a lot on
3: this one. The the media uh, did not... They've been
0: embarrassing bad. No, I will disagree with this wholeheartedly, but go ahead.
3: They did not really communicate properly that uh, 23 was the basically pitch a perfect game situation. Everything had to go right. And as we know, not everything ever goes
2: right. Wait a second. So you're blaming the college football media... For getting everyone worked up when, as we all know.
0: They were spreading the message. I already said
3: the the primary problem was the CFP people bought their own hype. They bought their own hype. They conveyed a bad message. And you and I have actually argued about this before, where I said the media had a responsibility to push back on this because they should have known. It was almost impossible for 2023 to be a reality, it had to be perfect. And you, when you have all these conferences with different agendas, especially power broker agendas like the Big Ten and the SEC, to get them on board that quickly is holy jeez!
2: You must have the massive amount of skeletons why, in the closet. Wait a second, wait a second. Off. Why is it? Why is it the college football media's job to push back on something that would be good for the sport?
3: It's not that it's not good for the
2: sport. It's the fact that that option 2023
3: was so unrealistic yeah it's kind of like the percent of chance of you know of the whole cfp thing it's a small percent but you needed things to line up perfectly cincinnati run the table teams losing in key times uh oklahoma state falling apart in the big 12 conference championship game things had to line up perfectly for Cincinnati to get into the CFP semifinals. Same thing. Things had to line up and the percentage of chance was so low that someone had to pour a little cold water on this because now everyone's all worked up and now the disappointment level has skyrocketed because everyone created these expectations that could not be delivered. And now everyone's like angry about it.
2: Here's here's the other here's the other question. I'm sorry Kyle, I want to get ahead, your question here in a second. But the other question I have is I do not understand. I do not understand why the Big Ten, Pac-12, and ACC are against this.
3: They they want because the contract they, to end. They want multiple uh, media partners. Bingo. They do not want why? ESPN what to di- have what all this di- power and control. Wh- you know, what UCF difference fans- does it
2: make when they're not getting into the playoff right now as it is? They're literally shooting themselves in the foot by giving themselves a chance to not get into the playoffs. No, but you, marathon, you're thinking short
0: term. Yeah, exactly, this exactly. Is this is not about the short term. This is about the long term gain. and it's going to start this off season when the Big Ten gets a new TV contract, and it's likely not going to include ESPN in it. That's this, this is a battle now. This is all about television and control, and the Big Ten, the Pac-12, and the you know the, they are tired. They are tired, and they believe. Whether you agree with it or not, they believe that the SEC gets away with too much stuff, and they're t- well, they, and they think ESPN enables that.
3: They they do, Fine. but you know, I don't, I'm, I i do not think that's really a fair assessment. It's not that they get away with stuff; it's the fact that you're seeing this consolidation of power. Correct. And right. with with the SEC being exclusively under ESPN, and this conference expansion thing that just happened to happen while this discussion was going on. And then, oh, oh, we have to create a new media deal. Oh, yeah, but it's under contract now. So ESPN would be the only ones involved. I mean, it just, it screams a lot of red flags of control. And, you know, we, we've seen other you know, television uh, networks come and go as far as their activities within the different conferences. Uh, now with the SEC and ESPN being tied as one, and they essentially are really tied as one, uh, you, you, you really want to split things up.
1: Well, let me add this to Drew. something else that I think is not getting discussed quite enough here is that whole sec situation. Okay. The sec and ESPN have been in, in bed, as I understand it, contract wise, is that accurate? Uh, The exclusive contract doesn't kick in yet, but it will kick in before
3: I believe uh, next year.
1: Great. So with that in mind, I'm already in an inferior situation. um, market on the field, if I'm the Pac-12, for example, I'm just picking one. The SEC has proven time and again that they are the best college football, uh, football money can buy even before the NIL and have dominated the sport. Of course, they're afraid on the field. Then ESPN and them, were to, you're using the word exclusivity and it's looming on the horizon. I don't know the details like you did, Drew, but I don't have to, to understand the intimidation factor that... On the field, now they're going to have an opportunity to leverage against me in the system that we're building on the communication front, Jeff. That is why they're scared. I mean, does this make anyone else uncomfortable? Me.
3: Uh, I so so when you look at it, you know, yeah, it's a you know from from everyone not including the the the, the teams moving to the Big Twelve. Yeah, you're you're taking a short term hit in the fact of there's money left on the table, yet you're not actually losing anything, but you're you're losing potential. Uh, and and you know yeah okay that that sucks you know. However, you're looking you got to look at it from from the big picture standpoint. You know, in 2026, it's time for another 12 year deal. You know, you finished off the rotation with the other bowls because the the bowl contracts for the other games circle around this. This is you know the Rose Bowl is a major problem here. You know, yep. and, and big roadblock. Big Roadblock. Road and again, I said everything had to be perfect. Yeah. And when you have, uh, these, uh, everyone with different agendas, perfection is, is nearly impossible.
1: And let, let me, let me get back on the therapist couch real quick between you and Jeff on this point too. Right. I think both the college football playoff entity and the media share blame and how this all was misconstrued. Right. Oh well, yeah. Yep. They did not sell that. This was a best case scenario. They did not explain that adequately. And Drew, you're expecting the college. Let's pretend the college football media knows the back back end of all this and how that works well enough to push back just sight unseen, which I don't believe they are respectfully. You do because you're that guy and God bless you, Drew. But generally (laughs) speaking, that's not a common knowledge piece. I would have to do a lot of research to even know to ask the question. I'll call myself out for this. Okay. But what they did do was lean in and lean in hard, and college football media does did what college football media is supposed to bleed and do. They got good news. That was, again, miss, uh, how you say, misrepresented, right? And then they went gangbusters on, and, of course, college football fans got excited about it. So from that standpoint, I can hardly disagree that that both sides are culpable in some way, shape, form, or fashion, right?
3: Right, and I'm going to add another point to this, t- specifically for the Big 12. Um, the big 12 voted for expansion mm-hmm. and, and, I, as, as I expected, they went, but this actually had two, two reasons. Voted One, the
2: American, by the way, I should say, but obvious reasons there. Go well,
3: ahead. Yeah. All the group of five are four because that means more money immediately. Uh, well, within, within a very short time in their pocket. Correct. Uh, and they're, they're getting scraps as it is, uh, which is not fair, but that's a wholly different, different argument to begin with. And that's plus a whole, would also podcast, guarantee bro. them access, yeah. uh, yeah. different, wholly different monster. Right. Uh, In the case of the Big 12, voting for it was was also a sign of solidarity with the SEC and ESPN. After the whole fiasco with the expansion and the cease and desist and all this other stuff, uh, there needs to be a little bit of mending of the fences. And this is one way that shows that, hey, we're on your side. Uh, The Big 12 uh, made a very safe move to vote in favor of expansion. Uh, oh, they have a media a, deal yeah. c- renewal coming up. They do want ESPN to at least be a partial partner and, and they want to maximize their value. So the best way to do it is feed the ego. It, it goes back to the whole UCF 27, uh, 2017, 2018 where where you know people, Michael didn't really say all that much. Well, he was also negotiating with ESPN on a new media deal. And Correct. the last thing you want to do is piss <laughs> off your corporate overlords. He
1: said <laughs> the very same thing to me leading into the conference championship game in 17.
3: And, and, and hey, I, I've been called a Mike Resco burner account because that's a hill I'm willing to die on.
2: Well, hey, let's uh, do this <laughs> let's, let's uh,
3: the, you don't join, join the club. Oh,
0: I, should but, con- I should
2: contact Breaking yeah. Tea and have well, a shirt but, made for all of us on that one. But,
0: <laughs> let, let me, but let, let me, let me ask you this Drew, real quick though, because you talk about the we're talking, we're focusing a lot on the playoff thing about the net, but but this also the Big Twelve, their TV contracts coming up, right? Mm-hmm. They're probably going to be have multiple partners as well, which so, they currently and, do. And I think, to be honest, these conferences right now, they want to take care of their TV contracts first before the playoff. There's so many things to deal with in the playoff. Where are these games going to get played? Is it neutral? Is it on campus? What networks are going to carry the games? Is there going to be automatic bids? Are we going to let the little guy in? I personally don't think the little guy is going to get a shot except for maybe one spot out of 12. And I think that if that, and awesome. I got to tell you something, Mike Oresco and the American, all these conferences better be careful because these big conferences can tell these little guys, we don't, Hey, you don't take our deal. Go make your own tournament. Get out of here. Enjoy being on CBS sports network exclusively while we're on real networks. Poor so
1: the- <laughs> I like it. <laughs> well, Thank it's, you. It's uh, funny. But, but I do think,
0: but I think the big 12 TV contract plays a role in this too, Drew, because Big Twelve might have a part. Let's say they sign, re-sign with Fox. Fox wants to be a part of the playoff picture too, so there's that factor as well.
3: They they all do to a certain extent. Um, CBS has expressed some interest as well. Now they don't have the good thing is by splitting it, you don't have to take the entire burden on your own. So you know you can you, you can share it and and it can work. You know it works in the NFL just fine. You know they they've been sharing you know TV rights for decades and upon decades. Yeah. So it can be done. The thing is, the only way to do that, the only way is to let the contract expire. You cannot expand now and do that. It doesn't work because you have to create a new media contract and you're under contract. So you're you're stuck in a rock and a hard place. So the only way to pull off the multiple TV partners, which I think will be the best overall for everyone involved uh, from an exposure standpoint, from a partnership standpoint, and I think from a money standpoint, I think they can get more money if they get bigger pieces from different partners agreed I think think we can actually get more more payout out of
0: this we've seen that model in the other sports the NFL is a king because they have all the networks involved heck they just had Amazon to pay tons of money to carry (laughs) Jaguar games for crying which is what they're gonna end up getting with their 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 package (laughs) deal on Thursday night (laughs) (laughs) don't go that don't
2: go that hard at Jaguars Twitter
1: yeah, please. and hey, my Like there, Wendy. They're, they're, they're going to come
2: after
1: you. <laughs> one, two, like, yeah. <laughs> listen, I'd like to go back to a Super Bowl. Can you not, like,
3: uh, anybody? I understand. Jacksonville <laughs> will Fine. It, the yeah. Super Bowl again. And I say that nicely. Carolina. We'll they put Carolina in Bowl the again. Thursday
0: night. Well, let's get Carolina in the in the Thursday night package. But, look, the NBA, all the sports have multiple network deals. And, look, let me just say this. I, I Brooke Magnus, who's one of the head honchos at ESPN in programming, uh, who helped set up the American deal, by the way, with Mike Oreska, was on with Richard Deitch podcast a couple weeks ago. And Richard asked him about this, about the playoff. And and look, would ESPN prefer to have the entire playoffs to themselves? Sure. <laughs> but they're not opposed to sharing the playoff. They share properties. They share the NBA with Turner. They share the NHL. They have a relationship with Turner. I think the key is, who is the relationship with? And I think that's the, the kind of where everybody's trying to position themselves and see if they can have a working relationship there. But you're right. They're going to make more money on the back end. We're too impatient. We're impatient as a society. We want our money now. We want, want now, now, now. But we're not thinking long-term. We're like, man, we could have made more money if we would have done this. And, you know, by then, you it's a clean slate. So I, I actually agree with your article, Drew. I think UCF benefits from this. Because if I'm UCF, I don't want to share a dime, a dime with the Tulsas of the world. Screw them. By the way, well,
3: I, I, I I, I, see that I have to disagree with. I mean, I will always be an advocate for the little guy. Uh, my yeah, yeah, but if you but you a, have to my admit, mom went to a in, school. When, I mean, my uh, my my brother and my dad went to D three schools. I will always have a soft spot for the little guy. And the, the truth but is... Here's the
0: problem, Drew. The problem is UCF in two years ain't the little guy anymore. They're in the Big 12. And their interest, which is the most important thing, it's not somebody else's interest, it's their own interest, changes. Whether people want to admit that or not, you have to watch your bo- best interest. And their best interest is to get as much of the pie as possible. And if that means squeezing out the FIUs of the world, then so be it. And I don't think that's a big crumbs. deal.
3: The, they're getting crumbs. And the thing and is... Someone it's when, when, too many crumbs. <laughs> it's not too many crumbs. Trust me. Uh, the, the truth is, I mean, you know, you've seen what, what can happen in the NCAA tournament and other sports. Oh, well, football's different. Football's different because we've made it different, right? We've made it exclusive. You, you make this happen. You stretch it over 20 years. You will see the playing fields, start to level a little bit. Other mm-hmm. schools say, Hey, we have opportunities to get in and, and make some damage. So you will start seeing teams that can make a Cinderella run. They can't right now because the system is not designed at all to support it. However, I don't think that's going to happen even if
0: you expand. See, I think that's a misconception. That's not going to happen just because you expand the playoffs. Access
3: is a big thing. It's all about access. Remember, we talked about percentages of a team from the group of five get into the CFP. It took basically perfection to get in. I mean, the Close. chances are so perfection low. Perfection
1: and a lot of imperfection around, too. Can we please acknowledge that? Notre Dame did not deserve the ranking they got, and they were there in position. Well, but we, yeah, team.
2: every, look, Notre every Dame playoff format. A ranking that they do. They never deserve every, the that they get.
3: Yeah, here's the it's thing, Notre nobody. Is, I mean, you're kind of preaching the fire on that right. one, Kyle. Yeah.
0: I,
1: I, I, here's I, the just, thing. I pointed out to just show the inaccessibility and what's going on. And, but and, Cincinnati
3: and, required perfection. And, and like, that, all and I know, perfection is we're, 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 getting we're the more. benefit of the Notre Dame or the Oklahoma State losing right. or the other schools, right, that, and, or pit or that. You know, that was part of it. That's part of their perfection run. You, hey, you know what? They got that in 2017.
0: Hey, the L. Hey, the L. A. Rams benefited from the Tampa Bay Bucks being playing a stupid defense down in the in the last drive of the game. Everybody has to have luck. You have to have luck in sports. Fans don't want to admit it that, but luck plays a lot in this. All right. So let's just not, let's not act like somehow Cincinnati was like a fluky thing. They got in just like other teams in the past in major conferences have. Benefited from other results. That happens in every playoff format. I that mean, happens I mean, in, in every deal. I
1: need a separate pod with you, Eric, because I have many balls with which I can. I know
0: you do. Play. I, I know, know you do. We have. That's what the All whole summer is team
1: Write themselves. There
2: you go. <laughs> I'm just impressed with with Eric Lopez, who's like, "Hey, in this divorce, man, I'm taking both cars, the house, and the dog." no, <laughs> no really I, I, but I think
3: i, I, I,
0: think under, I understand I, I think i G5 I, agree, I agree with you
3: is needed yes. by p5 the power five needs the group of five they can't make their i think they would disagree with, with you they, um, ohio state cannot have i'm not saying i, I i'm not saying but I, I disagree with ohio you i'm not state saying i disagree with i'm not saying i disagree three to four out of conference home games unless they schedule group of five teams to come play them it's well, the only way they pull it
2: off. Well, well, here's the other thing, too. And, Kyle, I want to get to your point in just a second. But you know why else the Power Five needs the group of five? Legitimacy. Because oh, that system, that system doesn't have legitimacy if the group of five yeah, are, don't somehow Because we really need Iona dynamite.
0: in the tournament, you know, in basketball. We really need Iona, a, Division Iona doesn't
2: the- play football. And they're in, in Division one, one. It's a different and thing. And they're going to get
0: bounced in the first round by forty. So let's hey, hey, not act like Eric this
2: Eric. part Focus. Of, the, of the
0: FBS. Nobody, football. nobody cares about North Texas. Nobody cares about UAB. Nobody. That's the same were, teams that are, you, are on I, top and, are Eric, always going to be. You can on make top. an
3: argument that no one cares about UCF either. But here we are. I mean, it's the same thing.
0: That
2: you,
3: I you don't wanna, disagree you with you on that. want to keep going that. Nobody cares about Northwestern.
2: Nobody cares about Arizona. I Nobody agree. Agree. Hey, agree. Agreed. You know when, hey, care agree.
0: TCU? You know when well, they care about T. Agreed. When they yes. Keep going. Keep going. Nope. Keep going. Keep going. You're making my point. Well, You're if, making my point. For me.
2: if you want, if you want to keep going, Eric, then why? Why have? Why have any more than what five, four or five teams?
0: Agreed. That's what we have. That's here. what football has. That's it's not okay. What we have. That is not, not what we have. Let's do it. Have. The there NBA. Are, the are NBA. Are there there's are only 100? four teams that can win the NBA title. Only four. Realistic. The Orlando are Magic 100- aren't winning an NBA
1: title. Hold on. I can keep Jeff on the couch because I'm about ready to throw a pillow at him. You can't say that and then advocate for Cincinnati at the same time. You're contradicting yourself. No, I said they can get in, and they got in.
0: But you guys are acting like they, they, all these programs are irrelevant in a postseason. No, they're not. That's what the point you're missing. And that's why, again, I'm going to make this point. UCF's going to benefit from the Big 12. Oh, you yeah. don't have to worry about this anymore.
3: Postseason creates relevancy. The bowl games are exhibition games. No one cares. Well, that's a different – I don't no, disagree with no, that. that. That's part of it because when you expand the CFP, more games are going to be involved. I mean, you, the, all the New Year's Six are going to become involved. You're not going to have all yeah. these players opting out of the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl because it's just one of the I just, Well, six.
0: I still think
2: you're going
0: no, no, you you to have people out of you've got something to
3: play for. You're playing for a you got something to play
2: for that. Yeah, right. They're going to play. And here's the, yeah, it's called an NFL contract. No, 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 no. No, no. Here's, for and title. Here's, right and here's the other thing is that we would hear all the time about uh, the the dumbest argument against playoff expansion that i've oh, ever heard in my life it's is, 17 that, games is that is that it makes the the regular season less relevant oh no that's that dumb I agree, that. no, I, agree.
0: I agree with that no i agree yeah, 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 no, no, i agree with that no i agree BS. it makes the regular season
2: even more important oh, right.
0: but all right so are we gonna pay these student athletes to play five extra games we're gonna do that they're who's making, who's paying the bill on that?
2: Totally well,
3: different argument. Eric. We're what not, are you not talking the about NL, the NL the National Labor Relations Board has a thing going on. I would not be too surprised by the time 2026 comes around, they're ruled as university employees. Stuff is going on in the court. I like
1: it. it. This this got way more complicated than it needed to. Let me go back there. I wanted to make 15, 20 minutes ago, okay? We don't need to talk about divorces or how allegedly relevant or real relevant the G5 is and all of that. We're going to bring it all back around first circle to the point of Drew's article, which you should read because it's thoroughly detailed. He even makes sure to tell you how much he told you about that this was going to happen. And I say all that to say, But he Um, did.
0: He did. I can back up.
1: And he totally did it. I'm not I'm I'm, I'm not I'm not saying that to 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 disperse his uh, ability as Nostradamus. I just thought it was funny that he reminded me he predicted it. But the the punchline is. um, Bottom line is this, Jeff, everybody here on this panel has acknowledged the low chance that UCF, we'll call it virtually non-existent chance. It's an asymptote for those of you math nerds out there, okay? It approaches zero, but it never one. actually Assyth. touches it. Yes. Um. So, not often I get an opportunity to make an asymptote of myself in public, but what I'm trying to say is this. There's your dad joke, I, Jeff. You, you just, uh. you
2: know, no, it made, made no sense. Anyway, carry on.
1: It hurts. The punchline is we can talk about all this other stuff. As far as UCF is concerned, the reward virtually zero versus the risk missing out on the opportunity to see networks battle each other and 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 limit the tide that will raise every single solitary ship in college football is what's at stake here is that here's the thing give you well, here's the and, the and and
0: here's the point they're going to expand they're going to expand to 12 if they're going to make the networks pay for it you're not going to give it to you're not going to give it to I, them for free.
2: I I hope you're right. All right, we got we got to pull this pull this back out. But I want to <laughs> I want to go uh, more, yeah, around the horn Thank to you. to the three of you here, and I'll ask you. What I want to ask you is: in 2026, will we see 12 teams? Yes or no? And which two networks will televise it? All right, Eric, I'll start with you. Oh, man. Uh- <laughs> yeah, <I need> <laughs> no hey, look, man, you throw yourself out there like that. You can, You may as well, you know, There's a you're part of- out of the barn first. Here we go. Come on, man up.
0: <laughs> there, there's a part of me that wonders if they just go to eight first, then 12. But I'll go with, I'll play the game. I say they're 12. I think it's ESPN and Fox.
1: Kyle? Um. I'm going to side with my foolishly inc- uh, inclined faith in humanity and say, yes, I believe it'll be ESPN and Amazon. Whoa. Ooh.
3: Ooh. Drew. Uh, I also believe it'll end up at 12. Uh, I do want to caveat that I expect there to be e- uh, conference auto bids for the five. Yep, and I agree with that. Yep, uh, I, I expect that in there because except for 2020, that would have applied it would have been that's how it would have worked yeah. out every year, anyway. Bravo, um, right. that, but that would just make people happy. Uh, I expect it to be ESPN and CBS.
1: You think CBS gets in there over five? Fo- wow, because they're
3: Fox, there ain't Fox has, owns the big Fox 10 has network, dollars spread apart with various organizations, various other conferences, the Big Ten, the Big 12, uh, the, the Pac 12. So they've got stuff already uh, set there. aside. CBS just lost the the sec there's talks that cbs is going to go after the big 10 and try to take them from fox even though fox if i'm correct is half owners of the big 10 network
0: correct that's why i'm a little skeptical on fox being completely out of the picture i
3: mean maybe they'll they'll split it apart because espn may no longer be part of the picture but i I think cbs or maybe they go three networks
5: maybe Uh, they go three networks also
3: very uh, very possible thing too Uh, yeah yeah Maybe NBC wants to claw their way back into college sports. I mean, they kind of let things fall apart. I mean, uh, they they did originally have a contract with the American Athletic Conference in 2013 before ESPN exercised their right to match.
1: Well, but that, a lot of people don't realize that. To, was posed, I mean, but it yeah, was supposed
3: posed. to be on NBC.
2: Yeah. Uh, I, I'm cynical. Uh, oh, I, I think go. it'll be, I think the two networks will be ESPN and Fox. I think you're right about that, Eric. I think they chicken out and go to eight. I can see that. That's fine. I think, I think That's they okay. Chick, I think they chicken out. Well, and football go to will eight.
0: still be played. They'll we go, will still make go, money because you see
2: if... They'll go to. I, I wanna throw they'll go to five. They'll go five. I think they'll chicken out. And they'll go to five. G, uh, uh, they'll go to five Power Five auto bids,
5: Boom. and then they
2: will. I I th- listen. I I agree with you. I hope I'm wrong. I want to be wrong on this. I never like, wanted to be. Really Would you have a G five yeah. uh, uh, auto bid
3: in there, uh, Jeff?
2: they're going to they're going to say the highest ranked right it, it'll be they'll G- they'll, they'll, con, they'll they'll lawyer their way out of this by saying highest ranked they- G5 champion Morgan and Morgan if, baby if if that if that G5 champion is yeah. right higher than a P5 champion how about
0: that more, more money for the Big 12
2: and i want to throw one more thing out there uh,
3: you know, we talked about the whole eight to three voting. During the contract, it was required that it had to be unanimous. However, not during the contract requires only three power five conferences
2: to, to sign off on.
0: Right, right. I think that's why at the end of the day, it's going to hey, be How 12. many
2: conferences are in the alliance again? Three. Oh. I'm just saying. All right. Yeah. Um, I hope you that gave you your your fill of uh, reckless offseason Woo! college football speculation. Send all of your hate tweets to Stat Drew Yeah, seriously, just so. enjoy, yeah, and little he little enjoys it. I he thought, I thought it. I'd
3: get more hate. I haven't received enough. I'm a little disappointed. Give oh, we haven't time. promoted it enough. Just
2: dropped. Yeah. yeah, just dropped. Give it give it some time here. It's already <laughs> the it's already the highest the most read story today on the site. So. You I
3: I've received more compliments than
2: insults. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm yes, disappointed. But the number of compliments you've received and I've looked is one, two, <laughs> I've got two.
1: Hey, listen, two. keep hanging out under your bridge, Drew, you'll get the opportunity to troll. I promise you.
2: All right. When we come back, <laughs> uh, Bryson's going to join us uh, to give us a wrap on what's going on around the world. We got softball. We got baseball starting off. We got Renaya Jones continuing to do Renaya Jones things. And some news from the USFL, which is starting. Speak, by the way, speaking of Fox, Eric Lopez, the Fox is that league going to still be NFL, around
0: by the time the show ends? Apparently,
2: it will be. <laughs> I the don't Fox think. So. I'm skeptical on that. Yeah, I'm skeptical. I, I'm, I'm not because it's I'm owned on the by people's network.
0: I'm on the Rock side on that. Go Rock XFL. Let's go.
2: Well, he doesn't have a league yet. So, all right, stick around. We'll be right back. Black and gold banner at podcast. Back after this. Welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez with you joining us now, Bryson Turner, after the dust has settled after our college football playoff discussion.
4: Jeez, I leave for one segment and it just descends into chaos. Uh,
2: let's bring order to that chaos, Bryson Turner, because we have a lot to talk about here uh, as uh, softball and baseball are underway. This is the spring sports equinox. So there is, uh, a- and Eric, I want to get Eric in to talk softball too, because um, and then we'll also talk a little bit about Renia Jones track and field starting the conference indoor championships in Birmingham soon. And also a couple of guys, uh, a couple of UCF alumni going into the USFL. But let's, fellas, let's talk softball. So Eric, thrilling weekend for UCF softball as they went out to St. Pete for the elite invitational. Um, you said this the entire you You were so excited when UCF got an invitation to this tournament because it's the most prestigious tournament in college softball, even more prestigious than the Mary Nutter Classic out in California. Uh, The Knights, all right, so here's the joke. They played three, or excuse me, four ranked teams in six games. Yes, they went two and four, but like we said, four ranked teams, they beat one of them in Texas in the wildest game I think I can possibly recall in UCF softball this year, a game that had 10 combined errors and 25 yeah. combined runs, 15-10 uh, to 10 win for UCF uh, over Texas. And that was really the highlight in addition to – they also beat Texas Tech 7-3 to 3 in eight innings.
0: We own the Big 12.
2: Yeah, we're 2-0 in the Big 12. Um, that, that, to me, was the, was the highlight of the weekend was that Texas uh, victory – uh, and then, of course, uh, last night, Wednesday night, they beat. F- uh, they take out their frustrations on FIU down in Miami, uh, eleven to nothing in five. They run ruled FIU. So, uh, all things considered, a three and four week for UCF softball, and actually, actually, that's pretty doggone good.
0: Yeah, I mean, you could even go four and four if you include the Liberty win before Clearwater, because I think that's was they're a tournament true. team. than a Sun. Yeah, I, it was funny because I wrote the recap on black and ESPN's Amanda Scarborough. For those that are not softball fans, she's like the Kurt Herbstreet of softball. She was very complimentary of you. She was impressed. She called that. She was part of the broadcast of that Texas game. And it was funny because some fans are like, what are you talking about? They're two and four. In a tournament like that, you can go two and four and be fine. Like Texas went winless. Other marquee teams yeah. didn't win a game or won one game. Uh, I think with UCF, I think, I think it's a, a situation too. they're number, they're number 11 about in team. the
2: country and they went winless.
0: Right. They went yeah. winless. And look, this UCF team is young. They're young. Remember, they're, they're starting a freshman at shortstop. You're starting a freshman at catcher when Jada Cody's not catching. When Cody is catching, more times than not, you're starting a third baseman as the freshman. Or you start Kennedy Searcy at third base. Uh, so there's still going to be some growing pains. They had some ups and downs uh you know three and three would have been golden in that tournament but two and four is fine but more importantly they're learning about each other they're gonna be a better team for going through this now it'll pay off in the long run and i think that's the big thing is there's potential there's upside there's gonna be some ups and downs but as you mentioned they took out uh fiu pretty easily on wednesday 11 to nothing a one hitter by gianna mancha now you know you kind of you know stayed above water now you go host this tournament coming up, which is another not a cakewalk. You got Ole Miss, and NCAA tournament team on Friday. You got DePaul, who won the Big East regular season title on Saturday. Oh, yeah, James Madison, who all they did is make the Women's College World Series last year and took the sport by storm. Uh, and, oh, yeah, number four, Florida on Sunday. So they're going to get tested again, but I think they'll be prepared for this weekend's battle, having gone through last week. And, look, they got a lot of airtime and exposure because all those games were on ESPN Family Network. So I thought overall it was a net positive despite going two and four.
2: Who's your MVP of the week?
0: Ooh, uh, I think the MVP. I'll tell you, Savannah Adams, freshman, who's starting to get some more at-bats. She was the one that had the big two RBI hit in the eighth inning against Texas Tech to break that game open. She had a big two RBI hit where she nearly took off the Texas pitchers head off to tie the game up at nine. Uh, and that was the you man are, to me. You were
2: oddly excited about that, I will say.
0: I mean, it, <laughs> it hit the visor, it was crazy. But the thing with UCF's offense, they have a lot of speed, but you have Cody and Doherty. And my question would be well, who else can produce run, drive in runs? I think Adams could be that player, that third bat in that middle of that lineup somewhere that could help run produce some things, uh, and bring a little even more balance as far as more of a, you know, doubles, line drives, uh, you know, driving producing aspect, and not depend so much on your slap hitters. So I thought Adams actually was an unsung hero. She was actually on a roll for the American. Uh, I thought that was very impressive. And Angelina Devoe, who's in, like the number five pitcher, five foot, throws nothing but off speed pitch, shut down that Texas offense yes, to she was get good. that win. In that game, her first career win. She'll always say her first career Division One win was against Texas. That's pretty good. It's, it's, a, a, a national title.
2: Guess what, y'all? I be Texas. Right. <laughs> you so, know she's not wrong uh,
0: that's right and then you know the fiu game grace jewel pinch hits and hits a grand slam first ucf pitcher to hit a home run since lena springer in 8 2014 who is the sister of george springer major league baseball star so uh, that uh it's good to see some of those players stepping up and, and contributing and we'll learn more about them this weekend in this marquee tournament, which is going to be big. Uh You got, you know, Terry Mahajer throwing out the first pitch Friday and a guy named Gus Melzons throwing the first pitch against Florida on Sunday. I wonder why he's throwing the first pitch in the mm. Florida game.
2: Why would he do that? I have you no earthly clue. You know it's already sold clue. out, right? <laughs> I guess it's no, already yeah. sold out? Yeah.
4: I saw a tweet yeah, from the... the UCF Knights Twitter account and it, yep. it says, need any weekend plans? And it showed – The softball schedule, the women's tennis schedule, and promoting the women's basketball game, and it says the the Florida softball game is already sold out. Not a surprise that game. You know what that means? You got to
2: go get. You got to drive your pickup truck over, and park in the outfield. And set up the, set up the set up the camper chairs, right, Eric? Is that how it works now?
0: I agree, and, and I got to tell you, this is what's so unique about the Florida game. Normally, they play in a midweek on a Wednesday. This time, they're playing on a Sunday afternoon. I think this is going to shatter the attendance record. Uh, I because it's easier to go out on a Sunday afternoon than a Wednesday night. And I got to give Coach Bear credit and Tim Walton, the Florida head coach, credit. This is the first time Florida is playing at a tournament hosted by UCF ever. And what that does is you're going to have – I mean, let's without kid. There's going to be a lot of Florida fans coming this weekend. But now you're going to have Florida fans coming into three dates because they're going to see the Gators play on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. That's revenue coming in for UCF softball. Not to mention casual. you got softball fans from all over Central Florida coming in. I actually think this is from a business standpoint. It's a smart move to bring in more revenue because instead of Florida coming in for one date, you're basically getting them for three dates, and you're going to make revenue out of it. So very yeah. smart move by Coach Balmone, and credit to Tim Walton at Florida, who does done a great job there and is the one Florida head coach that actually plays
4: any everybody, anybody, anywhere, anytime. So credit to him. I mean, think about the Georgia game where you had all those Georgia fans there who are yeah. going to go from Orlando to St. Pete and Clearwater because right. they were competing there. So if the Florida crowd will be anything like that, then... Well, the Florida is going to be... I, I, I would be surprised... Yeah.
0: Yeah, Florida's going to break the record. Uh, I think I, I expect that unless we just don't know how to count uh, or bad weather comes in. I think that's going to be an incredible atmosphere. But I think it's, I think we're going to have a great atmosphere all weekend. And I do wonder if this might be the most attended UCF tournament of all time. Uh, there was a one a couple of years ago when Clemson made their debut in softball. Yeah. That drew big numbers, attendance wise. I think this could top that. And again, that part of softball's charm is that's why they ho- these teams host these tournaments is not only to challenge themselves off the on the field, but also make revenue off the field.
2: Yep, good point. Good point. All right, so Ole Miss Friday six p.m. ESPN Plus. You doing all the games?
0: You better believe it. I'll be there with Francesca and or on Friday. And then Sunday, which we're also going to have a sideline reporter. First time at a softball broadcast, we have a sideline reporter for the Florida game. That's how big we're blowing it up here.
1: All right, all right. Uh, and then Saturday,
2: I was going to say the Saturday games. I don't see ESPN Plus on this on this on the so, schedule. Is that, uh, let's deal with that. what I? We will be
0: on likely on a, a different stream. We'll probably be on YouTube on the UCF channel because, as you know, Jeffrey, there's a women's basketball game, and not to get too far behind the woods, but uh, there's only so much personnel and equipment to pass around. So, Fair. you're right. I think I'm just going to leave it as that. As but uh, was we will. The,
4: game, the baseball game three, I can attest to that against Sienna. I can attest to that. Yeah. yeah. So, that's correct. So, Come it's going to happen 12. from time to time. Seriously. You know that money. Seriously. Give me you the know, money. You
0: know
2: what, you know what would have solved that? If we got an expanded CFP, we would have gotten more money. Or, no. Or if we're in the Big Twelve
0: way. next year and get that check, that would have helped. Anyway.
4: Oh, no, don't start this All right. again. Uh, but hey,
0: listen, just just come out to the park though, and, and, and you know you kid about the trucks. I mean, the left field has become a big thing now, and, and that and you know bryson got to see it firsthand for the georgia game it's going to be packed in the outfield it's going to be a great atmosphere and hopefully we get a good game and hopefully the the team plays well because they're gonna to have to because they're these teams are very good
2: oh it's good yeah it's good all right uh also, we got a
0: monday night game with oakland too by the way. monday night softball let's
2: well. not forget yeah. about oakland yeah so and that would be yeah, oakland, I'll be there, oakland yeah, in right. michigan right yeah yes yes all right uh, not to be confused with the oakland a's right Boy, wouldn't that be something? Bryson, let's <laughs> talk. Uh let's talk baseball here. Good start to the season for UCF baseball. Four 0 Uh dropped the hammer on Siena in the four games that they played. Uh, kind of feel bad for Joe Sheridan in his first weekend as a pitching coach. It, uh boy, his guys kind of got knocked around. UCF scored what 42 runs, 46 to 2 uh UCF combined, uh beating Sienna. Uh, and then last night, they get the UCF gets the victory over UNF in Jacksonville, three to two in a very tight game. Zach Hunsicker got the victory. Ben Bespie got the save. Um, but let's uh, let's analyze just real quick. These first four games, Greg Love, ladies team, four and oh, Ben McCabe and Noah Orlando, at least right now, are the, t- are, are, are the top two. Players. But McCabe is really the guy who I think uh, he won the conference player of the week. Six for 12, scored seven runs this week, two homers, six RBI, one double. Uh, In addition to that, I thought the the best pitching performance was uh, from David Litchfield, who in his first uh, college start, uh, remember he was a closer last year, but started on Friday night and uh, threw six innings, struck out eight, gave up just two hits, no runs, uh, job well done by uh, David Litchfield, really job well done by all the UCF stars. Connor Stain was, uh, was fantastic. Four and two thirds gave up two runs on one hit walk three struck out eight and four and two thirds. And, uh, and Hunter Patterson um, showed out well as well. He struck out nine and gave up three hits in five innings of work. So uh, this rotation is humming right now. Uh, and, and, uh, and in addition to that, you know, the, the, the bats did what they were supposed to do against Siena. And then we got that, you know, a little glimpse of what can happen in a close game against UNF UCF got the job done. So your analysis of the weekend.
4: Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm really glad that we, that we had Siena to open the season because one Joe Sheridan got the return, which was really nice. I uh, graduated from the same high school as him. So that was, that was a little fun fact about me, but um, also that, sienna kind of gives this team a chance to warm up a bit now we don't want to take them for granted i think ecu might have done that with bryant but who is head coach by former ucf hitting coach ryan costerman nice job to him but um it, it
2: ecu that was huge wow yeah
4: that was insane that i, I remember following that during the during the whole during watching the game and i'm like is this seriously happening oh my gosh but back to ucf you know, going against Sienna is great to give them some real game experience against a team that, you know, that like that won't catch them off guard too much, you know? And I think that I wouldn't expect, you know, performances like this all the time, obviously, but it, I think it really showed what this team can be capable of when it really gets hot. And they did manage to do that on occasion against, against Sienna, Ben McCabe, Absolutely lights out, and David Litchfield. I mean, David Litchfield did a really great job as a starter. Greg Loveland has always praised his mental fortitude, and he he really showed that off in his first start. I also really love the promotion where the where the stadium handed out fake mustaches to the audience because Litchfield has that a mustache. Great. I think that would be (laughs) such a great marketing gimmick to do whenever Litchfield starts. That would actually be really great. So that was nice. Connor Stane got off to a little bit of a rough start and he ended it a little bit rough too. Um, he gave up because, like you said, he gave up two runs. They weren't earned, but he did give up two runs. So I'll be interested to see what happens with him because he definitely needed to settle in a little bit. Seems like the mental aspect of the game, which Litchfield is really good at Stains kind of working on a little more. And then Patterson, you know, Patterson's already gone through a lot of development and even just through last season. And I think he's just trying to kind of continue that momentum that he had at the end of last season. And, and he did a good job. So, um, love letting mentioned that Patterson could easily have been the Friday starters. So the fact that, you know, we have th- uh, these three guys in the rotation that can easily be Friday starters, but we ha- that's the whole rotation is certainly a boon for this team, especially after last season's starting rotation situation. So great job with Greg Lovelady on that. Um, North Florida, Um, Chase Santala, Florida transfer, got the start. So, you know, midweek type of scenario. And, um, Props to North Florida. I mean, they did they did a solid they did a solid job. I think that uh, I would be interested to see how the how the team does against uh, in Statesboro with Georgia Southern because I really hope this doesn't it this isn't ha- this doesn't have to do with the fact that they're on the road because as we've seen before, being on the road can sometimes be um hard on a team sometimes. So hopefully, uh, so after their series against Georgia Southern, I think will kind of showcase that. But major props to two people from the from the UNF game jeffrey pena who not a, who got a triple and a homer in the first three in the first three innings great job i honestly thought he was going to hit the cycle but he didn't end up but he um those ended up being his two hits on the night and uh, which of course he scored two runs which which was very helpful to the Knights offensive efforts but ben Vesby, uh Oh my gosh, I put him as my co-night of the week alongside Katie Abrahamson and Henderson for obvious reasons. That but with Ben Vespi, he came in with the into the game. He's only had one save in his career prior to this which was last season. And this season he came in, he had a runner on first already because the previous pitcher Will Saxton allowed a walk and at, he allowed a hit and he, he, basically he got to a point where he, he had one out and runners on third and second, two runners in scoring position that would have won the game for North Florida with one out and he struck out the next two batters. So absolutely well done saved by Ben Vespy's par, Great play on him. And yeah, I mean, I think it's a solid start to the season. We got to see them play at their best. We got to see them play when they're when things get close. I think the biggest thing going forward is we, we need to see how well this team does on the road. And I think we'll get a good glimpse of that as they visit Georgia Southern this weekend.
2: Yeah, well, I, well real quick about Georgia Southern. Uh, they're one and three on the season. They got swept at, t- at number 19 Tennessee to start the year, but they're coming off their first win uh, at home, a 10-6 victory over uh, Georgia Tech, who's ranked, who's now in the number 19 slot. Um, and uh, Georgia Southern's no slouch. They were uh, picked to finish. Uh, second in the Sun Belt baseball preseason poll behind South Alabama and ahead of Coastal Carolina and Louisiana. So, um, well, I remember
0: Jeff last year, baseball lo- went to Troy, same league, yeah. lost two out of three. So, yeah, this will be a good barometer. Georgia Southern just beat Georgia Tech, like you mentioned, they're a team to have high expectations. They the ball flies out of that park in Greensboro. Uh, so Statesboro. I think this is going to be a challenge for you. Statesboro,
2: not Greensboro. You're the Statesboro.
0: Georgia expert. I get that's it. Right. You're the Georgia guy. Uh, so it's going to be a challenge for this pitching staff. This ball flies out of that park. Uh, nobody will know that better than the new UCF baseball SID because he just came from there. So there, there you go, a little storyline in between there. Fair point.
4: Uh, by the way, props over to-, to the – props. That By the way, big. also props to young guys Lex Bodeker and Cole Russo who have performed very well in their collegiate debuts this week.
2: All right, so we'll keep an eye on uh, UCF Baseball. Friday, 6.30. No TV, it looks like, for these games. So we'll have to follow along with uh, uh, on ucfnights.com for the latest on that one. But 4-0 UCF, trying to extend that start. All right, track. Bryson Turner, real quick. Uh, The indoor championships start uh, this weekend. Uh, Another good week for Raniah Jones. What's the latest on UCF track right now?
4: Well, uh, they uh, actually I was looking on Twitter when you guys were uh, were, were kind of uh, dueling it, duking it out about the college football playoff. And uh, they are just on their way to Birmingham now for the American Indoor Championship. And um, when I talked to Renaya, because she threw out the first pitch for the third game against Siena, she talked about how, essentially how she, they're really looking for looking to get a ring in Birmingham he in fact she said she guarantees it that's how confident she is going in well let's hear I want to hear from from,
0: let's hear it let's hear it from her voice herself you got a chance to talk to her on Sunday because Renia Jones threw out the first pitch at the baseball game and you talked to her after that you talked about throwing the first pitch and then I her name image and likeness deal that she has and the preview of the indoor championship here's Bryson's conversation
6: with Renia Jones all right, Renaya, nice first pitch today. How did it feel to be out here at John Yuliano Park? Um, it was really exciting to be out here. It's such a great opportunity. I'm glad that they out. Well, I was the person that they picked to do the first pitch today. Yeah, you're out here
4: with Addition Financial. You know, you became one of their stu- student athletes, and people have talked about how, you know, beneficial NIL can be for athletes like you who are in the o- Olympic sports. Can you kind of go into a little bit about that experience and what it's like for you as an Olympic sports athlete with this new NIL? stuff?
6: Well, I definitely feel like it was a long time coming. Um, the NIL deals, they open a lot of doors for student athletes. I feel like for the strenuous work that we do, that we should be compensated for it. And I'm really glad that I was able to be an athlete during my four years to be able to experience this. So I just feel like this is something that's just like um, a step in the right direction. And. I'm ready to take full advantage
4: of it. How did you feel about how they feel about that first pitch? It was it ended up looking pretty good. Ah,
6: uh, it was so fun. You know, I was really nervous. Um, way more nervous than I should have been. But it was super exciting, just getting out there, being in front of everybody, and just throwing the ball and just having fun with it.
4: You, when you look at who threw out the first pitch, the first pitch, you have Terry Mohajer, the athletic director, Mackenzie Milton, a UCF legend, <laughs> and now you. What does that kind of feel like?
6: You know what, it, it was a really good lineup, and I'm really glad that I was a part of it. Um, I kind of want to establish myself as a UCF legend, too, so I'm just really glad that this is, like, one of the things where I could be like, yeah, she's kind of in there. Well,
4: I mean, you're only a sophomore, but you're already on your way to doing that already. A school record hole in the 60-meter hurdles and the 100-meter hurdles, already compete, having competed in the Olympic trials, second place in the NCAA outdoor with the 100-meter hurdles. I mean, and you're still just a sophomore. <laughs> Like how does that how does it how does that feel being still relatively young in the grand scheme of things, but already having accomplished so much and going up against people older than you?
6: Oh my God, that was a really good way to word the question, but um, it just shows me how much like potential that I have. You know, I really didn't see it myself, but it's just so great to have a coach, so many teammates who see it before you do, and for me to go out there and actually just explode and just come out with so many great results. It just goes to display that. Even when you are so young, like, there's so much power that you have and so much potential that you can reach that you don't even know what's inside of you. Yeah,
4: you're heading, so you're heading – in a few days, you're going to be heading to Birmingham with the team to compete in the American Indoor Championships. What have you seen in this team over the course of the, of the past few events? Because you only really get four events before this championship. So what have you just seen improve from yourself and from the team over the course of the season?
6: Uh, definitely um, – Improvement improvement from the first meet, improvement to the fourth meet. And, you know, going to this fifth conference meet, um, I'm very confident in where we stand. We have a lot of girls in all of the events and top standings. And I just know we're going to go out there and we're going to rock it and we're going to come out with a ring.
4: So uh, how, how does it feel? like Because obviously, you know, when people think about track and field, they've been thinking about you. The fans have... Really, you seem to really capture the hearts and minds of a lot of UCF fans over the course of your your time here. So, the, and obviously, it's now led to here with you getting this NIL deal, getting the first pitch. Just you know, when you really look back at, at look back at everything, and yet you and you're only just about halfway through, not even halfway through your UCF career if you go four years. Just how's it feel? Um, it feels
6: really good. You know, I think the fans play a very big part, just because I feel like our track or track and field itself as a sport is a really, it's a really hmm, interesting sport. Um, I feel like there's so much to learn from it, and I feel like when people actually take the time to get to know what the sport's about, they really enjoy it, and, you know, just going out there, being able to watch the events for yourself, you know, sometimes they're short-lived, but I think it's worth the watch, so just having fans out there and having them know, like, what's actually going on, it means a lot to me.
4: What would you say is the biggest difference between doing the 100-meter hurdles and the 60-meter hurdles, indoor and outdoor, because you hold the school record in both, but obviously they're kind of two different things. So you
6: know what, um, it's definitely just the distance, you know, compared from um, the 100-meter hurdles, which is 10 hurdles, 60s, only 5 hurdles, which is basically half of the race. Um, just because it's shorter, I actually don't like it that much, you know. I feel like the better end of my race is, um, well, like I said, the end, uh, so... 100 meter hurdles definitely has my heart right now but it's really fun to start experimenting for myself and getting better at the 60 meter hurdles because I get to really just go on and learn about my start and how much I can get better at it.
4: You've also been kind of working on your 60 meter sprint and your 200 meters obviously you're also in the 100 meter sprint as well. How would you say you kind of improved as a sprinter over the course of this indoor season and how you can take it into the outdoor
6: season? Definitely a lot. I feel like that was one of the things that was unseen in myself you know. um, I started doing hurdles in 10th grade but I originally started in middle school as a sprinter, so it was always back there, but um, I'm grateful to have my high school coaches and my college coach Coach bill to really just show me that even though I do do hurdles, I'm essentially also a sprinter, and it's really fun, you know, sometimes hurdles is a very experimental, you just don't know what's going to happen, a very variable race or whatever, so um, just to have sprints as a backup is really fun, and I don't know, I just like being so able to go
4: anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, you know, you being you, that's all. But who else on the team would you say is worth keeping an eye on in this American in this American conference championship? Um,
6: right now in the current standings, I would definitely say keep an eye on Latasha Smith right now. She is an upcoming 400 runner. Um, she definitely puts in the hard work when it comes to practice. So do all my teammates. I'll never take away from my teammates, but Tasha has been up coming up on the run, and um, I would probably say Ashira. I went to nationals with her last year. She went for triple jump, so definitely keep an eye on those two for sure.
4: What are you looking for in this team going into this in this American Indoor Championship? Yeah,
6: I am looking forward to a ring. You know, we've been putting in the hard work the whole whole fall, you know, about four months. And I just want to come out here and go and just show what our training's all been about. Um, just go out there and win. We're going to come back with a ring, I guarantee it.
2: All right, that was Renaya Jones speaking to Bryson after she threw out the first pitch at UCF Baseball. She's become, you know, a legit star, you know, in UCF athletic so- circles. And I love it. I absolutely love it. This well, is
4: fantastic. Well, I right? I'm, I
0: was I was watching the basketball game on ESPN and and I think it was halftime and I see this commercial for Addition Financial and who pops in? Raniah Jones. I now, you help me out Jeff, you follow this closer night as much as I do about it. I can't remember a current UCF athlete being in a commercial because obviously they couldn't be back, back in the day. Uh, pre name image likeness, but
2: the only time I've ever seen it uh KK Wright appeared in a UCF promo, like you know the the promo, like right. a promo for the university the itself, not for promoting basketball. Yeah, yeah, for the university itself. But that's but she oh, had well, graduated oh, yeah, the UCF. Yeah, but she, I, I think that was a lot, and she had graduated, I think, too at the time, too. So I, I think that was the case, but but not for not, a but not
0: have an active, not a business, and not have a you know she spoke in the commercial, uh, yeah. which was tremendous. She has. She transcends track and field. She is one of the UCF athletes that transcends her sport. You are you know, there's not, there's people that are not track and field fans but know who she is. And I think you know, it was great to hear her talk to Bryson there uh, and talk about the Indoor Championships, great representation for the track program. And, uh, man, it's just pretty amazing uh, story with her and her rise and her success. She's had a great indoor year. And uh, we'll see how they do in Birmingham, Alabama.
2: Last time UCF won the indoor championship in the American Bryson Turner, 2017. Um, they also won the indoor conference USA championship in 2013 and 2011. So it, even though UCF doesn't
4: have an indoor facility, it can be done. Y- yes, that is very true. And I mean, Brani has talked about how I'm, I'm, I'm two things one ranaya talked about how she kind of wants to be a ucf legend herself which i i love by the way and i think that she's definitely on her way to doing that the fact that she that you know she mentions how the 60 meter the sprint and hurdle stuff isn't even her strong suit because she thinks that you know the back half of her race is usually the better one which is not There in the 60 meter, and which is true, which
2: we saw in the 100 last year in the outdoor season. Yeah,
4: right. So that's like nuts to me how Renai is just doing improving as well as she is. It really shows improvement, and that's the other thing she talked about is the improvement that herself and this team showed over the course of this indoor season and the fact that latasha smith got the got the school record in the 400 meter you also have a sheriff collins who's come with the triple jump and the long jump doing well so and uh she talked about the both of them as you know people that really to kind of keep an eye on with this with this team and there's all sorts of other names that i could rattle off but we'd be here all day um the point is is that Again, despite having no indoor facility, this track and field team is definitely a a force to be reckoned with and should be interesting to watch as they compete in Birmingham, Alabama on Friday and Saturday on ESPN+. Plus. I'm so glad I can finally watch them because I, I wasn't really able to uh, watch them at the Hokie Invitational or the Charlie Thomas Invitational. Uh, ESPN+, I think, did have the um, Clemson Invitational at one point, but it's just nice to be able to watch track and feel instead of just sitting at the Q and it's like, okay, just re- refresh, results, refresh. Is the results yet? Refresh. Are the results in yet? It's just, it'll be nice.
2: All right. Last thing I want to talk about before we go here in the show, the USFL draft. Yes, the USFL is happening, Eric Lopez, much to your chagrin, but whatever. I don't deposit care. deposit those checks,
0: guys. Whoever got drafted, deposit it quickly. That's my advice.
2: Well, I I am much more optimistic about it, uh, about it uh, than you are because of the fact that guess who owns the USFL? Fox Television owns the usfl it's a network Yeah, that's really, that's really so two ucf knights uh were drafted in the usfl draft which happened uh this past week richard Causey, defensive back from from down south in broward county um is uh, it, it, uh was drafted as was uh was a jordan, a jordan mccray right jordan, yes jordan mccray yeah jordan mccray was also drafted so Two guys in the USFL draft, um, both of them with some professional experience. Um, and, I, and I think, uh, by the way, I thought it was cool how they did the draft where each round you, they had to pick uh, a, uh, you, had to, you had to pick a, a position. It was done by position groups so that, you know, it wasn't kind of all over the place. And I thought that was good. And look, more opportunities for UCF football players uh is a
4: good thing right Bryson oh yes definitely and I think no no um no player actually um embodies that opportunity like Jordan McRae Jordan this is the USFL will be Jordan McRae's fourth football league that he has signed that he has signed in. he was in the end he was in the NFL for, for to start off then he joined the AAF with the Orlando Apollos. Then he joined the XFL with the Tampa Bay Vipers before COVID hit, and now he's with the USFL with the with the Birmingham Stallions. He, this is his fourth football league, and I, I and I really am excited because he he really keeps going at it, and honestly, I find that quite admirable. I also quite um, excited to see Rashard Cossey there. He kind of ran into it a little bit. He signed. He had signed. He had a futures deal signed with the Miami Dolphins, but then he was released on March 12th, right as the the pandemic really kind of, you know, escalated. So um, it's nice to see him get uh, to get drafted as well. And hopefully, and hopefully uh, they they both will find success in the USFL. And this isn't all, by the way, the USFL is going to have a supplemental draft on March 10th to complete for the teams to complete out its roster before the season starts in april so there could be maybe another uh, there might be another night or two that could be selected who knows
2: Yeah, that's probably it's probably true so so jordan mccray went and went with the fifth pick in the 20th round that's that was when they were picking centers obviously uh richard causey round 11 pick eight uh, if, when they were picking corners and richard's going to play he's staying home tampa bay bandits actually picked him and we will see hopefully jordan mccray Play in the USFL's inaugural game, which is sl- slated for Saturday, April sixteenth, uh, seven thirty p.m. on NBC and Fox. It will be it will be simulcast on those two networks. Uh, so that's the uh, so that's that's pretty significant to see that. I can't remember the last time we had a um, a regular season simulcast between two over the air networks.
4: Um, you know, By Houston the way, been just a heads able- up.
2: Cable and, and and broadcast, but not to broadcast network. Go ahead. Uh, by the way,
4: just a, just a heads up. Um, the whole season is going to be in Birmingham, Alabama, a la like a, kind of a bubble scenario. So even though the names of the teams have their have their cities affiliated mm-hmm. with them, the whole season is going to be taking place across like two football fields in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, yeah, Birmingham, Legion, Alabama.
2: Legion Field and also the new football stadium in downtown Birmingham that, that they built for UAB, which is a really nice stadium, by the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's uh, and, and they're doing that to save on the travel costs for the to launch the league, which I think is actually a pretty smart, uh, uh, pretty smart move in this in this first year. Um, you know, we also have the XFL that's supposed to restart again in 2023 under the uh, under the tutelage of your favorite person, The Rock, Eric Lopez.
0: It's correct. Who's already got a deal with the NFL as far as using, you know, rules and, uh, you know, kind of come up with some concepts similar
2: with the NFL well, has. It's, it's funny that 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 deal is like the the XFL is like, look, we're, we're affiliated with the NFL and the NFL is like, yeah, you're going to kind of try out some rules, you know. Hey, it's better than nothing. So better than I, nothing. Listen. This this is more more opportunities for former UCF players to play, and not not just play, but also get better, maybe make it to the NFL as well. From this, we've seen this before. I'm on record as saying the NFL needs a developmental system of some kind because there's way too much talent out there to uh, to not have live game action. And really, you know, given the limits that are placed on college players, the 20 hour rule, and etc. You know, if guys want to make this their profession, we should have more opportunities for them. And that's good. So congrats to Jordan. Congrats to Rashad. And uh and hey, make the best of that opportunity, guys. And hopefully we'll see a couple more guys go. All right. Let's wrap this thing up here. Thanks again to uh Andrew Glukov, stat boy drew on Twitter. Thanks again to Kyle Nash, the S O T G on Twitter. You can follow Bryson at it's Bryson Turner, where he's got um all the latest that he's been working on. Big thanks to Bryce for following baseball as well uh, as uh, doing the nightcap, which you can all find on black and You can follow Eric at Eric Lopez. elo. You can follow me at Jeff underscore Sharon and follow us collectively at UCF banner underscore S B N. If you subscribe to our podcast, we thank you so much. Make sure you leave us a rating wherever you listen to your podcasts be it on Apple or Android devices. If you do not subscribe to our podcast, that's okay. You can do so on any of those devices. By the way, if you do send us a rating, let us know how we're doing on those platforms and send us around to your UCF fan friends um, as well. So as we wrap it up here for Eric Lopez and all of us here at Black and Gold Banner, I'm Jeff Sharon. Don't forget, Saturday, 2 p.m., UCF Women's Basketball is going to raise a trophy at home with the Victory over Cincinnati. Be there. Enjoy the week, everybody.